Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. Welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast. Wealthy sitting with Andrew. And uh, we got from friends to foes, from uh, co coaches on the same bench to opposing benches. Uh, Brett Larson, fresh off his gold medal with uh, with uh, Matt Carl. Wait, nope, nope, wrong. Nope. David Carl. Yeah, there we go. Um, and uh, you know, uh, sharing the bench of the World Juniors as Team USA, as predicted by our. Uh, Team USA World Juniors guru Jake Baskin, uh, uh, that the uh, uh, God, I, I just slipped into Huskies. Uh, that, that Team USA uh, wins gold uh, over Sweden now, too. He, o- he called over that. Sweden. Yep, exactly. Um, and then uh, those two coaches uh, against each other here this weekend. Starman going to be in the booth as it's on CBS Sports. So it's this is going to be one of those stories that Starman's going to bring up. For the next couple of years, uh, just kind of, oh, yeah. especially World Junior time, you know, I could just hear him with the story about, you know, last last year you had these coaches with each other. Then the next week there were foes against each other in the NCHC. What a gauntlet that conference is. Something along those lines. That's my starting impression. And then he rants about how much he hates bicycle lanes in New York City. That's the uh, the 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 intro, the pre gamer, um, really writes itself for the starman. Mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> Sure enough. Uh, so, yeah, uh, congratulations to uh, Brett Larson. Um, little uh, feather in his cap. And, um, yeah, it was uh, overall, you know, I know, obviously, we're going to talk quite a bit about Denver here coming up. But, um, you know, uh, I was able to couple watch a couple of the um, uh, illegal streams through just YouTube uh, because NHL Network is incredibly hard to get on a regular cable package. Uh, but, uh, yeah, exciting games and, uh, exciting teams, uh, USA ends up going undefeated and, um, yeah, it was a heck of a tournament and, uh, especially opening up in the third period against Sweden. Uh, were you able to, uh, catch any of those games? Yeah. The, uh, the last two in particular, you know, it, it was looking a little hairy there down to yeah. nothing against Finland, which Finland started the tournament with a major dud uh, and they, they looked when the, when the U S drew them for that semifinal game, it was like, okay, well this shouldn't be too difficult. And then getting behind two nothing pretty early uh, needed to dig deep to, to overcome that deficit. And I think Sweden's the better team. I mean, the final score wouldn't indicate that, but um, obviously still were, were tested pretty well by the Swedes. But I, th- I thought throughout that game, the Americans just were the more skilled team. This was a, this was a great team and high expectations for this tournament. And, you know, I think they, they passed the test. Uh, and Canada had a, had a dud of a tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, it's it, some of it was strange. Like the Germany had to hold on in the elimination game. I mean, they made the relegation game because they lost Latvia. Uh, surprisingly and then needed to go to overtime i believe to beat norway to just stay in the field for next year 
Uh, but then they gave like Canada a run for their money in the in the group play and just some some odd results. But uh, um, excellent play from uh, from what I was able to catch. Uh, really, as always, and and now you go into next year. A bunch of these Americans get to come back next year, still age eligible. So as the defending champs, maybe they now have the target on the back. And also too, I, we saw the news drop that these uh, world juniors games are coming to the twin cities pretty soon. Yeah. Maybe uh, would you go to that event if you had a chance? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. hundred percent. Cause there's an outside chance. They might, I mean, they're mentioning that the group, some of the group play games might be outside the twin cities, you know, things like Mankato or, St. Cloud or maybe like Blaine um, because they like to spread out some of the group play action. Uh, but, you know, if you can't catch it, if they don't c- come up to St. Cloud, you can at least go down to, you know, better wrong game or uh, any of those games would be, I think, a really fun. I might come back for those games. Um, it'd be a pretty fun. I, I saw some of the U18s a couple of years ago, but it's nothing really compared to the U20s. It's uh, yeah. definitely a big draw. So, Good to see that uh, news drop as well. And obviously congrats to team USA as, uh, as they get the job done and congrats again, keeping it local here to, uh, to Brett Larson as the assistant coach, picking up the gold medal. Go Huskies. Yeah. Hashtag local angle. Um, yeah. I mean, I would, I would definitely love to go to some of the games and I don't know if, it was just pre-tournament games or scrimmages lined up or anything along those lines in some of the surrounding areas. But, um, cause it sounded like the main hosts were going to be, um, Minneapolis and St. Paul at Mariucci and, yes. um, and the X, uh, the X would the have X. the gold medal game, but yeah. yeah, they play even like preliminary games, games before the group play even starts. And I wouldn't be surprised if an out state venue yeah. or two, um, gets into that action. Um, so keep, uh, keep your eye on, on that for more developments, but still a, a marquee hockey event coming to, coming to Minnesota for the first time in like 40 years, they played some thief river game, games in thief river in 2005 when the main tournament was at grand forks, but those don't really count. Um, the last time that the final were, was in the twin cities was at believe 82. So it's been a long time. And now that this tournament, the tournament has evolved so right. much too since then. And, and the American, I mean, chart USA hockey's progression since 1982. It's uh, um, pretty incredible. So yeah, that's uh, definitely a circle to date uh, tournament, even two years out. So looking forward to that already. Yeah. So that's something, you know, I've got my eye on. I would like to go to some of those games. I was, Really close to pulling the trigger on the PWHL as well as Minnesota starts out two and zero. Um, they're their home opener, and I, I just couldn't do it because um, of the price. And I know like ticket itself isn't that expensive, but you know I've got a family of five, and the price plus Ticketmaster fees was about thirty five dollars a pop, and you know the the. The family of five, all that uh, kind of adds up on a spontaneous trip. You know, I got I got daycare, <laughs> so I can't have a lot of those spontaneous trips. So it's a little bit bummer that I, I wasn't able to go to that because that would have been a fun uh, kind of a event for everyone. And it looked like a rocking atmosphere, too. Good game. Are so, they playing all their We have games? Clay Matvick on the call. Hashtag local angle again. Right. Uh, uh, who is uh, 
doing the play-by-play for them. So, are they playing all their games at the X? Yes. Yeah, thirteen thousand in the building for the Saturday game. Very impressive. Yep. Yep. Yeah, don't uh, talk to me about uh, good tips on ticket buying. My brother was coming up here. We're going to go to a Coyotes game in a couple of weeks. Don't use the site SeatGeek because it's not <laughs> refundable, even love what they claim it is. And I spent way too much money on a couple of seats, and it looks like I'm stuck with them. So uh, uh, th- I would love to be able to get away with 35 bucks plus plus fees, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but uh, I guess I'm going to have to really enjoy that Coyotes-Predators game in a few weeks here. So well, keep you posted on that. <laughs> Please do. So I think I've seen enough Logan Cooley goals. I don't want to see any more. So. Um, uh, so Huskies traveling to Denver, uh, just a huge series um, coming up. Really, I would say we could extend it the next three series, but especially these next two with um, Denver and North Dakota, we can kind of really see um, what the this team is kind of made of against people that are teams that are just higher in the pairwise right now. Um, you know, right now, um, I believe with the conclusion of uh, Minnesota beating CC uh, that the St. Cloud state right now is at uh, 13th in the pairwise. And um, you know, we've got North Dakota and Denver sitting up there at six and seven with essentially being locks to make the tournament. So it's, um, you know, this is kind of a, a big matchup where we can make up some of that ground, uh, where we kind of stumbled a little bit in some of our non-conference. So it's a, a really key matchups here coming up, and I really like to see what we um, have matching up against these teams. I'm optimistic, especially how we played against Bemidji. I know the competition, but we took care of business how we should have, um, which is always kind of what I'm looking for. So. Um, kind of going into Denver, uh, going into Magnus, what are your thoughts on uh, the series coming up? Yeah, it's going to be a, a test. Um, and this Denver team is a real throwback uh, to a different uh, age <laughs> of hockey. Uh, it's we're a run and gun. Yeah, we're, we're throwing up six goals a game and we're giving up five. Uh, and that's kind of been their season. We've, chronicled their uh, goaltending, let's call it, let's be nice and call them issues um, with injuries and ineffectiveness, uh, tainting the entire season for them. Tainting, I say, but they, as you mentioned, still in seventh in the pairwise. So it, it hasn't sank them for this season. Sunk, what would be the, the correct past participle there? I, I wasn't an English major, but uh Still at I think it's some, sunk. Sink, had, sink, was sunk. it had sunk? I think it I think would be had sunk. Anyway, uh, let me know if I did that right, Dan Jacobson. But <laughs> uh, still at a sub eight ninety save percentage collectively as a team this year. And now they got Matt Davis back. He played both of these games this past week against Niagara. Played them without. David Carl behind the bench behind or without Z Booyam uh, at the point who was also at the world juniors. Um, I think that Rizzo was, did he play as well? I know he was, yeah, he played, he, he played in some other, I didn't realize there was like another tournament that goes around the same time the U twenties do it was a Canadian thing. 
And so he was playing that, but that must have ended before this Niagara series occurred. Um, but so a little bit shorthanded for, for Denver this weekend, but obviously it's Niagara. They didn't really break much of a sweat. The, the Friday game was a bit of a, a tight affair for a while, but uh, Denver was able to go away winning on Saturday. And again, not a, not a terribly difficult opponent. And so I said, Matt Davis played both of those games. He was the prohibitive starter coming into the year. He was Corona's backup last year, put up good numbers in part-time play the last two years, but um, had a bit of a rough start to this season. And then they were sort of scrambling with Freddie Halleck and even dipping into this Paxton Geisel, who they plucked out of the USHL a little bit early just because they were so struggling for someone to stop the puck. And like I said, the the numbers are pretty ugly uh, goaltending-wise for them. But as ugly as they are in that category, they're really eye-popping from the offensive standpoint. We mentioned Rizzo leading this team with 32 points already. Most of that assists, uh, seven goals, 25 assists. He's real playmaker type, um, and he can finish too. I, he's going to get more than seven goals this year. I wouldn't uh, be surprised he cracks 20 even. Uh, they already got... You know, Devine's also at 30. They've got, God, they got like 13 guys with double digit points already. Um, and there's been, they've played 20 games and they've scored three goals in every one of them. They've scored four more goals in all of those except four games. So the four games that they've only scored three goals, they're one and three in those games. So, I mean, three goals, that's, I mean, if that's your lowest goal total of the year, that's really impressive. But that mm-hmm. just underlines the fact that if you put if you keep the team off the board, you get a better you increase your chances of winning against this high powered offense. And that's obviously going to be key this weekend. But it's a team that runs, I mean, three, four lines deep. Um, they continue to be able to cycle through new guys, you know, Miko Matika, freshman. He's got 12 goals already this year. Um, you know, bros, uh, we saw him with the Gophers a couple years ago, had a good year for Denver last year. He's more like a third line guy for them, but he's been effective in his time at Denver. They've got a lot of, uh, high scoring defensemen. We've mentioned Zeev Booyam, who's leading the league in, uh, defensive scoring as a freshman. And he's got his brother there too, shy, uh, nothing to sneeze at himself. Another freshman of Boston Buckberger already got 16 points uh, as a I cannot freshman believe defenseman. that's a real name. Uh, I just and we've mentioned too how much they love the the letter B in this team. Booyam, Barons, Buckberger, you know, two Booyams, Bros. Uh, they love the uh, the bees. Um, but so they get their offense from uh, from their forwards, from their uh, defensemen. They really spread it around, and uh, it's a lethal offense. Perhaps the best, uh, the best offensive team in the country. And you know, with that too, good power play has to be expected at twenty four percent. So, I mean, to keep this team off the scoreboard is going to be obviously important. I, I think St. Cloud has that capability. You know, we've yeah. we've been impressed at times. It maybe hasn't been the most consistent, but certainly of late their defense has been um, doing, you know, up to the task. And we was just on the Bemidji series. Maybe we've got some offense finally kicking into high gear too. Yes, that's Bemidji, but, you know, I guess you do have to take into account with Denver's gaudy offensive numbers. Yeah, they did play Niagara for a series. They played a terrible Yale team. 
uh, you know, their some of their non-conference opponents haven't been the best, but that's not to discredit uh, Denver at all. It's going to be a, a, but a very a, a tough series for them. But for some reason, I, I I'm confident that I think they can get a split out of the series. Um, maybe that's expecting too much, and considering recent history as well. No regulation wins for St. Cloud in Denver since 2015. They did win in overtime last year, uh, but no regulation wins since the uh, since Jim Montgomery was there as coach. Since I was in the building, actually, for that last win in Denver. So it's been a bit of a house of horrors for them. Let's hope that they can turn the tide. And I don't know, thinking that St. Cloud's got the week off between the Bemidji series and this series, whereas Denver played this past weekend, maybe there was a rust rest factor. I'm not sure. For some reason, just my gut tells me I think St. Cloud is going to get a win this weekend. Uh, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, I mean, looking over, like you said, goals. You know how how well they've been able to score. You know, averaging five point two five goals per game midway through the season. That's yeah, it's it's just a gaudy stat, um, but. You know, with that is their their defense, and you know, like you said about you know what they're able to give up, and uh, just limiting their firepower is a good recipe because you're able to score at them almost at will. Um, you know, sitting there at uh, you know over averaging over three goals against per game, and um, yeah, they've had. But it's not like like the competition that they've had has been like like they've had some decent competition. You can you can say what you want about you know Arizona State or um, you know they did sweep Alaska, which obviously there's a blemish from St. Cloud on that. Um, you know the split against Omaha, um, the split against North Dakota, um, and that one win. Uh, that they needed was overtime win. So it's, I think it's one to just limit their chances. Um, just play smart, solid hockey. And, you know, I, I think you're going to be able to kind of capitalize on just their, their leaky goals and the leaky goals that they give up. So I do think that the Huskies are going to take a game uh, there in Denver um, and probably come out with a split is, what I would say is probably the easiest call you can make. And maybe that's the most, um, you know, likely outcome. Uh, but, you know, just, just looking at what our defense has been able to do. Um, I like our goaltending, you know, much better. Um, and I, I, I don't, you know, they haven't played a, a team I don't think that has been as good defensively as us. I know Western Michigan has, you know, better stats when it comes to that, but what they've had, how many games against Lindenwood, right? So, uh, you know, they Denver's, I don't know. So that's just kind of what I'm kind of looking at and kind of thinking is that that's going to be the key. Um, their penalty kill also has not been great, you know, with the bad goaltending and the leaky defense, you know, they can put up the points, but yeah, it's going to be a race to four. Um, and if we can keep them under four, I really like our chances. And if our team is starting to come around on the score sheet, um, if Ingram 
he's going to have a lot more confidence um, coming up if we get the monkey off of Okabe's back um, and he starts kind of rattling in some goals and, and whatnot. You know, this is this is the weekend to kind of do it and kick it into high gear and really kind of put a good stamp the fact that, hey, the St. Cloud, this St. Cloud team is going to be a force here um, towards the end of the year. Yeah, I would say if they're, you mentioning their non-conference or kind of their schedule mentioning it, and uh, they did go out east early in the year playing uh, Providence in BC, uh, losing against Providence uh, and beating BC, both four to three games, both very good games. I was able to catch some of uh, both of those games and Providence is probably the best. You're mentioning like defensive teams. I'm just kind of looking at the stats here. Providence is, you know, allowed the second fewest goals in the country this year. They've allowed the fewest shots per game on average this year. So, I mean, take that as far as, yeah, they're one of the few teams to beat Denver this year and they were able to hold them to three goals, which is they're tied for their season low and they were able to get a win out of it. So maybe obviously that's the formula to, to go on here for, uh, to beat Denver. Um, also saw this last year with Denver as well. Not a very good penalty kill team, kind of vulnerable mm-hmm. there. Um, and again, at 42nd in the country at uh, penalty kill percentage under 80%, they do have six shorthanded goals this year. So kind of a high risk, high reward penalty kill. They'll give them, they'll give up some goals, but they'll also score some coming back on that shorthanded break as, as well. So uh, possibly a, uh, another vulnerability for the Huskies to expose. I've been a little disappointed with the Huskies power play of late. Yes. They scored some late ones against Bemidji that second game, but that was after like five or six missed opportunities. <laughs> and uh, so it's just been kind of an inconsistent power play. And these are the series where you can't have a dry spell uh, against this team. If you have these opportunities, you know, you got to bury them. And so, I think these are going to be great games. I I, I like yeah. the uh, how both of these teams are built. Uh, obviously, I think Denver's got the edge offensively, but I think St. Cloud has the edge defensively, and those are intriguing battles because one of those units has to bend, and uh, it'll be interesting who who does. And as you mentioned, we got the star man in the in the building on Friday national uh, broadcast. Uh, and everyone gets a scramble to how they get to find out where they were going to watch this game, 8 p.m. Uh, Central Time, uh, I believe. And so it should be a uh, should be a, a spicy one. I, I think. Yeah, this we is... should uh, we should also look to see what mid major uh, basketball game <laughs> right. is going to be preceding. Yes. Uh, I'm going to go. Kent State is going to be ooh. involved. Uh, do you got a guess? State. Um, the golden flashes. I, I, I do not have a guess at the moment. Um, what are your thoughts on? So you said, what was the last game that we were able to, to beat them at Magnus? 2015 It would have been December of 2015, the 15, 16 season the Ferris Evans state year. Really? Oh, that's they right. They swept that, them that year or that, that series, they swept them. Um, really? It Has it been that season. long since I've been out to Magnus? When did Tim Tebow, I Tebowed in front of it and we won three to two. What year? Well, was that would have been before that. No kidding. Hmm. 
I think I so. still yeah, don't cause... have that picture. Zamora, if you're listening, try to try try to get that uh, picture of me tebowing in front of Magnus. When you were saying tebow, and that was like a big trend, I'm thinking I'm, I pegged that as like 2012, like that oh. year earlier yeah, than 2015. Yep, I do remember. Oh, we can hit up. Should we? Should we hit up random box score? Sure. <laughs> I've got the box score. Do you, do you want to take some guesses? That's the most recent three to two score I see. Because I think we won three to nothing. 2012, 2013, the frozen four year, the first one. That was November of 2012, three to nothing. Yeah, because I remember like we, I, because after we left, we T-bowed, I T-bowed right in front of it. Because I, I remember bringing up at the game, I brought up how we were just crushing them and that I hope, you know, they don't have Rhett Rakshani to all of a sudden pop three goals in anymore. And then everybody I was with was ticked off at me for like potential jinxing of the team. So it was, I had to shut up for the rest of the 10 minutes of the third period. Um, but yeah, so we were, we won three to nothing. And I remember it was all the Tebow stuff was happening there in Denver. Um, and then I think we got crushed like the next night because I had this Denver fan, like every goal who would just like, run up to me and just scream in my face and he was you know like on a date or something or with his sister or i don't know which one because i was like this this can't be your actual boyfriend that this (laughs) this guy like to just go scream in someone's face after your team scores a goal and i'm like congrats on your split dude (laughs) anyway yeah, so this is the 2012-2013 season. It would have been St. Cloud's first Frozen Four run. LaBla's uh, Hobie year. Oh, sure enough, LaBla's Hobie year. So this was okay. November 2nd of 2012. Three to nothing win. We've got two different goal scorers. So two goals one guy had three. two goals and one guy had one goal. <laughs> okay, um, Nick Dowd. Correct. Nick Dowd had the two goals. Because Correct. his his second goal, he also got a goaltender interference call. <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing. Like at you the are same correct. Time, he scored a goal. 11 the third period. Got a goaltender interference call. So, so how does that work? I don't remember how, how does it works. I remember count? it stuck out in my head. Like, how the heck? It, because like, I think what happened is basically he shot it, it went in, and then just his momentum afterwards just carried him into, God, who would have been the goalie at that time? You know who it is, too. It's one of those names you'd be like, oh, yep, yep, yep. Well, let's see. Let's go back. Um, uh, was it, he was wasn't it bo- very good. I was going to give you a, a, like an England, London type clue, but you didn't need that. <laughs> So very nope. good, Sam Br- um, Britain. Yeah, I, I think that's. If I could find that clip, I'm. I, I'm gonna I'd love to. Too. I don't remember that at all. Yeah, I remember. And that. so, how Ooh. about the? Uh, so he, so Dodd scored the first goal and the third goal and the third goal. Um, who would have been the sandwich uh, in there? Who Who would have been the middle? Um, I do not. It's one recall. of your faves. One of my fa- One of my all time faves. It's It's on your Mount Rushmore. It's on my Rushmore. Oh, Kosla then. Cali Kosla. Yep. Yep. Okay. And so uh, Jensen, a couple of assists. LeBla had one assist. Andrew Prochno had one assist. Kevin Gravel had an assist. 
and this guy had an assist. His last this name guy. becomes a dance if you change the first letter from an H to a P. <laughs> Joey Holka. Very, very good. The Holka Polka came out to play Man. that game right right away as you were talking about that as this guy had an assist but for some reason my mind always goes to milan garrett Mal- as <laughs> this guy <laughs> who played in the game he had four shots on goal a team Ooh, high geez. actually go. four shots on goal tied for the team high with this other guy uh speaking of bees he's a bb Please. initials oh. uh brooks Birch. You're on fire today. Uh, Very uh, good. Very good. When you said that, I was going to, ooh, is it Tim Daly? (laughs) I was hoping we were going to have all wings. Tim Daly was a plus two that game. Team high, plus two. Well, I mean, yeah, we scored three, so. (laughs) Or it was a shutout, too. Garrett Milan took a penalty that game. Yes, Farragher was in net. Yeah, Milan took a roughing penalty, matching minors three three minutes into the game. Look at that. And then my guy, Jared Raby, got on the score sheet with the two minutes for tripping halfway through the second (laughs) period, which that that checks out. Uh, Yeah, looking at this Denver team, it's, I mean, LaLegia, he was great. The Shores. Yeah, the Shores, right? They were good. But I'm not, I mean, Ty Loney, that name rings a bell, but I mean, you remember Chris Knowlton? Because I don't. Dakota Mermis. I think he's in any, I think he's been in the, I mean, he's played that wild. I think, uh, I didn't know he played for Denver. Uh, but yeah, Garrett Allen, Larkin Jacobson. Is that Dan Jacobson's, uh, relative, <laughs> uh, a lot of kind of head scratcher. They, this must not have been, uh, the, like the best Denver team, obviously, but, uh, mm-hmm. always good, uh, Some. to go back in, in time. So one of the few wins at, at Magnus, they don't come often, but this they is don't one come of often. the last, it's couple. probably the lighting there. Yes. I think that's, I think you're right. Or so. the ice. I mean, cause we've had ice issues oh, this year at Magnus, right. so we can't take the ice for granted anymore there. So let's hope that, <laughs> yeah, let's hope that we don't have a, uh, surprise reschedule game on Sunday afternoon yep. this weekend. Knock, well, especially for you. Cause, uh, are, are you attending that game? The, this or, series? No, no. I'm going out to series? Miami. I'm, I'm, uh, oh, that's right. I've got all my travel arrangements. I've, um, I think we're gonna, we're gonna hit the beach one of those days. Yeah, um, there you go. And uh, the skyline chili. Well, I mean, I don't know if they have skyline chili down, down in Florida and South Beach, but, uh, I don't know. We're, we're gonna be hitting the beach. Um, and yeah, it's supposed to be like 70 degrees that time of year in Miami. So oh, it should be know. great. It's a little nippy here today. It's got into the forties, so I'm kind of, I kind of looking. Are you able to, to survive in warm weather in the forties? I got to go to Florida for some warm weather. I'm just looking forward <laughs> to this Miami trip. So, but that's in a little bit. So I, I, I still got a a little bit to to go and travel there. But I am looking forward to it. Sunshine State here at Milan. I had a I had a friend, um, a coworker. We always went to the games because, like, my um my work you know were sponsors and they had season tickets and they would always have raffles so i had like four or five friends and myself we would always like put our names in and we would always just pick each other to go with so i always pretty much had tickets to to those games for free and uh uh my buddy ryan cassidy every time that he was he was always really excited when uh Garrett Milan played because he called him Scummy Milan because <laughs> he was 
He was just that kind of a player. So good old scum. Good the scumbag. So, Love him. Um yeah. Basically, if our defense shows up, I think um we at minimum get three points. I, I just at Denver has done nothing this season to prove that they can do anything to stop a puck and to stop goals from being scored. And I think we've got, you know, some of the best defense uh, that they're going to f- uh, go up against all year. And um, it's, it's going to be kind of a good opportunity to, to show them. Um, and it's going to be also a really good test, I think for Warren Clark to kind of see his development and see where he's at against, you know, some incredibly skilled playmakers because they've got him in space there at Denver. Indeed. And we should see, say too, like, you know, talking about special teams and Denver, you know, having some vulnerability in terms of their penalty kill, not super great. Look at St. Cloud state's penalty kill fifth in the nation, 87.5%. This has been a strength this year. And it's another one of those units like last year, was it during, it's kind of coinciding with the uh, Friday or the uh, February swoon, but there was some penalty kill issues down the stretch last year and it can go in waves. Uh, special teams just in general can, but at this point in the season, halfway through St. Cloud's penalty kill has been top notch. And especially against a team like Denver on the road, if they can pitch a shutout as a unit this weekend, that will go a long way to at least get yeah. a split in the series too. So keep an eye on special teams in particular this weekend. Uh, does VD get his 100th point? Yes. That, I guess. Yes. And will, it'll be on will the power it, Will play. it be a goal or an assist? It'll be a goal. It'll okay. be a goal on the power play. Gotcha. Power play goal. And it'll be early. It's going to be one of the, it'll be in the first period on Friday. First period? First yeah. five minutes? No, I won't go that far, but I'll go first period okay. in the, in, in Friday's game. I can see us going up one nothing really early on Friday. See, but it gives me flashbacks to that when we were talking about Shyak uh, coaching for Larson in previous um, times where Larson was away from the team. That three nothing lead against Denver, I think it was also a, a CBS game, and it yep. was a three nothing lead in the first period. And was it seven to four was the final? I mean, they got smoked the rest of the way, and so I don't want to do the Kevin Gorg and say you want to stay zero zero as long as possible in this game. Like I would take a three, nothing lead any day, but it was, uh, uh, eight to five, eight to five. Yeah. Denver had 50 shots on goal. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. So it's some like, sometimes if you get up on them, it wakes them up and it's, it, the beast, yeah. uh, arises and you, you can't, you get steamrolled. Uh, that by the next time you blink. So it's just, just he's got to play a, a solid 60 minute defensive game. Um, at least with that defensive unit, you got to score goals, obviously. And I think that's, that's where Denver's vulnerable because they're going to give up a few, but as long as you're not giving them up, that's the, that's the recipe for winning outscoring your opponent, not giving up as many as you score. So that's why you, uh, turned into this podcast uh, for this analysis. Um, yeah, you were talking about like those players on Denver's team on the uh, you know, in the in 2013 and whatnot, 2012-2013 season. Um, you know, just coincide with the goal scorers on this one where you have Carter Savoy, Brett Stapley, Cameron Wright, Cole Gutman, Bobby Brink. A little <laughs> I mean, maybe recency bias goes into it a little bit, but uh <laughs> 
And those were just bad Denver teams. I believe that 12, 13 team made the tournament that year. I mean, so they weren't certainly weren't bad, yeah. uh, but it's just, we've, we've seen them the last couple of years, like this Carter King, he's like third on the team in scoring. He was like, I remember it was that series. The, the game after the eight to five game it was a tighter game, two to one, maybe. And Carter King scored the winner there. And he's at that point, like a fourth line, like will hammer type. And I'm like, you're, you can't give up game winning goals to, to this guy. Well, he's turned into this like beast. Uh, you know, he's, he's definitely in that Dan chronic, uh, a little bit, a little bit more athletic, but, uh, certainly in that, uh, mold, let's say, but mm-hmm. he's been a re- he's become a real effective, uh, kind of grinder type player and really producing. He's going to probably put up a 40 point year this year, which I, if you would have said two years ago that that guy's going to get 40 points in a career, I would have laughed much less 40 points in a season well he's well on his way for that so dangerous dangerous team running four lines deep yep exactly so um switch over uh to the women women had exhibition game um and against st thomas uh not really any notes about it um and I I didn't go to go to it. Um, I did see um, on Twitter, uh, fight the pants. Uh, appreciate uh, a little bit of an update there. But um, yeah, just kind of gave a couple of notes that uh, it was just a two periods were played, four to one, uh, you know, uh, victory, I guess you can say. But kind of the big thing is uh, him, Marova, kind of switched back and forth between forward and D. Uh, and we have a, a new player that might be uh, kind of jumping in for the back um, in, in in the back half uh, of the season on defense. And of course, I closed out the tab of her name, Carmen Bray. Thank you so much, yep. Carmen Bray. Which I mean, this is a scrimmage exhibition game. If I would assume that her playing in this game doesn't mean that she's going to play the rest of the year and that they can maintain a red shirt on her. So I don't know. I, it's possible that they're, that they are warming her up in order to play defense in order for Himmlerova to shift to forward, which I would be in favor of. You might be able to do that without taking the red shirt off of Bray as well. I mean, I don't know anything about Carmen Bray, but I know nothing about red shirts and the rules. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And According to your source, no Delmonico sighting, which uh, no Delmonico. You know, it's, it's it's a little death every time you hear that. Um, so but, I think, I mean, I don't want to say the dream is dead, but it looks like, um, the dream is dead. We should probably hope that she doesn't play because if she does, then like three forwards have gotten injured for them to take the red yeah. shirt off. So. We can start the uh, the Delmonico Patty Kaz career, culminating career next year. But yeah. as far as this year goes, we got second half of the season positioned at this point in the pairwise inside the pairwise gate at number seven in the pairwise. Uh, Quinnipiac gave St. Cloud a bit of a favor if you want to look at it that way. I mean, they. Quinnipiac's now at six, but they knocked Duluth down to nine uh, in the pairwise. Nine and num- in the pairwise? Num- number nine. Nine, nine, nine times. Uh, with their series this past weekend. So that that's more bad news for Duluth uh, than it is bad news for the Huskies, obviously. But 
you've got a, a BCAC team that jumped you this weekend, but so you've, you're well positioned right now, which you did in the first half, like I said, getting points in half of the games against the top four teams that puts you, that put you in the position you're at now. You feel like if you can replicate that feat in the second half, getting, uh, points in half of the four of the remaining eight games against the top four teams in the WCHA. I mean, I guess St. Cloud's in the top four. We're counting Duluth among the top four contenders in the WCHA that St. Cloud has to face the rest of the way. So if you do that, that bodes well for you to make the, make the tournament. But the other thing there is you've got six other games against the lower teams in the WCHA and you got to run the table against those teams. And the first of that, set of six games against the Elsa Rants is this weekend. And that's at home against Mankato. You've got St. Thomas with a home and home next weekend. You really got to go four and O against these, these teams in the next two weekends. And really no, you can't go to even overtime to, to make that happen because losses against these teams aren't going to bode well because it's going to be so close uh, in the at large bids. Uh, you just don't want to make your, your task any more difficult than it already is. Now, Mankato, like I said, I just called them an also ran. Uh, and so I guess I'm not really respecting them very much. Uh, I mean, they're not a great team. St. Cloud was able to sweep them earlier this season. It was similar to, I thought the St. Thomas series that St. Cloud played in the first half where the games were pretty tight and probably a little too tight for comfort yeah. in retrospect. And, both of those series, I'm like, oh, you know, Mankato's got these two goalies played really well. This Barbro and uh, Fauche uh, played really well in that series. Same with St. Thomas goalies. But you look at all of those goalies, numbers are not very good. They're numbers overall. So it's more like St. Cloud just was, was lacking a finishing touch in that. In those previous series, uh, I'd love to, I just want the wins, but I'd really like to see like some convincing wins here. Maybe that's too much to ask, but. Um, you know, this is a Mankato team that just swept Lindenwood, but needed to uh, come back from a two goal deficit in the Saturday game just to to win that game four to three against a Lindenwood team that St. Cloud handled pretty uh, handily earlier in the season in the uh, icebreaker tournament. And so, yeah, you've you've seen this team already. Uh, you are the more talented team and it's just kind of a take care of business weekend. Um, are you confident that this team will take care of business against the Mavericks? Yeah, I th- I think so. And like, this is a time also where I- I'd like to see a good, like a, th- a solid five, one, four, nothing performance, like not really anything in question. I, I don't want to, you know, kind of tighten it up one, nothing into the third or things like that. But like just this team needs to find and generate some goal scoring. And hopefully with Soriel is kind of getting it back or getting it on track. Um, not to say it wasn't, on tra- I mean, she's a freshman, but you know, kind of her emergence and Avery uh, Farrell's emergence as well. Um, gets a little bit more of that supporting because, you know, Emma Gentry can't just do it herself. Um, Bowlby uh, feels like it's cooled off a little bit. Um, I know she scored against, what, Ohio State, but, I mean, there was a time earlier in the season where, you know, it felt like she was scoring a lot more often 
you know, where she was kind of that key transfer. So, um, but you know, I, I just like to see some of that depth scoring kind of, kind of come through and, and, and shine through. And I think this is, you know, kind of a good time to get some of those players, you know, kind of on the right page, um, all playing together, you know, where you've got Minnesota, you got Mankato and St. Thomas, you know, get some of that confidence and get that boost before, you know, you, you start round two of the gauntlet here um, coming up where you've got some uh, powerful games against uh, who do we have after that? Ohio state, um, yeah, Ohio state after St. Thomas. So this, this yeah. month is home heavy. You've just got the one single row game at St. Thomas. The rest of the games are at home, including like we mentioned the Ohio state series at the end of the month. But then you flip the calendar to February and it becomes a road trip basically that whole month, except uh, one home game against the Gophers. The rest of them are at home or excuse me on the road. So you, you get kind of a, you know, uh, a, a fair split there between it's all home and then it's all on the road. And that's that month of February is going to be, as you said, quite the gauntlet, but you got to take these series one at a time. You can't look ahead past uh, Mankato. You know, we're expecting them to, get the job done this weekend let's and i agree i i hope to see the scores that you kind of mentioned i don't really want to sweat through these but uh but you know you can't take them lightly either and uh just get the job done i'll we've been doing uh every other game flip-flop with ahola and choback which means that because ahola ended the first half against uh duluth means that jojo's up on friday is that gonna be the um uh, the method in the second half as well. You expect it's going to be chill back on Friday and a whole on Saturday for the rest of the series, if rest of the season this way out. Yeah. Or do you feel like a whole is going to take the reins here as her numbers have been just a tad better than Jojo nope. the, the, the whole year? Nope. I do think it's going to be just, you know, from what Adolski has said and what he, I, I believe, I don't think he's going to be changing course when it comes to it. I think he's going to feel confident um, either one that uh, is, is in that. So I think he's just going to kind of keep the rotation going. I do think the season ends though with Chobak in that. Um, I, I think um, just, you know, whether if we're on the outside looking in and, or anything along those lines, I don't know, but um you know, just, just kind of how the rotation works. I don't know. I just, I do like a whole lot better and you can look at the, I mean, it's pretty obvious to see why <laughs> um, when, when you look at the stats and even how they play a little bit, but it's, I, I think just positionally sound how a is. And I think she's probably the best positionally sound goaltender I've seen in a Huskies uniform. Um, you know, even, going back to i mean you know obviously I, I don't even know who you would even compare to how poised she is in net um you know every you know huskies goaltender that we've had that you know you can think of on the echelon of great goaltenders had had a little bit of had a little bit of a slinky spine at times you don't see that with a whole lot so um yeah, it's. I, I think this rotation is going to continue um, for better or for worse, but uh, I think the last loss of the year is probably going to fall on Chobak's shoulders. And meaning, I hope I'm wrong. Meaning that even in the playoffs, 
if it's a regional weekend, they would split action. You think? Yes, I think so. I think we might see a, a, what is it? Oh, four Oh five Denver situation. We did that research last year where they did a even Friday, Saturday split between Fisher and Menino, except in the NCAA tournament. Yep. And then they went with Menino. I think that if you make the tournament, I think a whole might get both games in the regional. If they play a second game, I should say, at least I would think that she's going to get the first game. And that if that means, yeah, if, well, it depends on how they do in the WCHA playoffs, mm-hmm. but it's, if they were to continue a, a an even split, it's a possibility that a whole, could play back-to-back games. If the first game of the NCAAs, she would have played the previous game. You know what I'm saying? I would think that if, the first game of the NCAAs doesn't matter if Ahola played the game before. I think she's going to play game one of the playoffs. Maybe they come back with Chobak in game two, but I wouldn't be surprised if if they do a uh, something different come NCAA time. But we've got a ways yeah. in, until that develops. So let's yeah. just enjoy the season and hopefully we can get some uh, pair of wins here this weekend against the Mavs. Yeah. Exactly. So, um. Anything else? Um, Kind of, uh, you know, uh, nationwide. Um, I know CC and Minnesota, uh, like I said earlier, Minnesota ended up winning the second game. So that was a split um, uh, at Mariucci. Kind of any, anything else around you went to a couple hockey games, right? You went to the, you saw Omaha play. Did you see Omaha play? I did see Omaha play. I, I, they were in the uh, desert hockey classic which uh, second year in a row that I've went to this mid-season tournament uh, up in Tempe at the Mullet, home of the uh, Sun Devils. And so this year I went to the Saturday game, so I didn't know who was playing like in advance. Obviously, I knew when I was going up there who was going to play, but depending on the results of the Friday games, what what the matchups exactly were going to be. And it turned out it was UMass Lowell versus Harvard in the first game, and then Omaha versus ASU for the uh, for the title of the Desert Hockey Classic uh, for the nightcap. And uh, yeah, it was an interesting two games. The first game was a bit of a dud. Uh, UMass Lowell really stuck it to Harvard, who is just awful. <laughs> uh, we're we're gonna go to the uh, pick the field here in a little bit and. I know that you picked Harvard to make the tournament in in our October pick the field. Well, I'm not going to take. A, well, I'm not going to take re- a complete victory lap over that because I did not pick them. Um, I don't. But I, don't, I, can't, I don't remember that happening. I can't say that. I don't. I don't. I can't say that. count. I'm not going to blame you too much because they would have been like right on the fringe for me. I was just like, yeah, they're they're good. They're just a little. They're they're a little, little young. Um, they're a little of a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> they're a little of a lot bad. <laughs> Uh, with one win uh, so far this year, count it one effing win. One nine and three is their record. They got down four nothing halfway through the game against a pretty bad, I should say, Lowell team as well. They have not had a very good season. Another team that you picked in October to make the tournament. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> What a uh, dumb skit or what a dumb, like, Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> We're going to continue doing that. And, and Lowell, like their big problem, they just can't score. And for them to hang seven goals on Harvard 
shows you and at least four of those. I mean, one of the goals was an empty netter for Lowell, but I would say four of the six were bad goals to give up from the Harvard goaltenders perspective. Uh, they were not a good team at all. Hasn't been a very good couple months for Harvard as a college in general. They, they have a way to stick <laughs> staying in the news. Uh, their, their hockey teams have been like their women's hockey coach was ran out from a abuse scandal. Their men's team has one win this year. And still, I mean, they had some hype coming into this year. They got a bunch of draft picks on the team and it's just been a disaster for them. And, uh, so they, this was the first time. So I mentioned, like, I was to try to see like one game against every single college team and I'm still working my way up. I got a bunch, mostly of the East, uh, to go. And so this is the first game I've seen in person of Harvard and UMass Lowell. So I get to check those two off my, off my list, but then the, uh, so not much of a game there. Um, but, uh, yeah, the uh, I mean, nightcap was a was Har- a bit, yeah, Harvard last year, you know, 24, 8, and 2 made the tournament. 21, 11, and 3 made the tournament yeah, and won ECAC the year before. Like, what a fall. What yeah. an epic fall for Harvard yeah, this year. It's been, it's been a disaster, and uh, I don't know how exactly they – right the ship i mean it's 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 tough it's you know i i just i feel terrible bunch of underachievers there and i just want i want those kids to get a break one of these one of these days poor little harvard kids i know i know uh but uh so that's that was that game like i said not not terribly competitive and that's one too like i don't really have much of a rooting interest if it was a rooting interest it'd been against harvard because uh i'm I'm not really all that i mean we are the harvard of the midwest i don't know if we could say that anymore i mean i like to think that st cloud's president wouldn't have been a serial plagiarist (laughs) but uh so i don't know maybe harvard shouldn't be the de facto best university that everyone brings up as a counter example maybe we're the umass lowell of of the midwest (laughs) who knows but typically very you know Public versus private. I'm going to go with the public schools. There you go. But, but I didn't have much of a rooting interest, but it's like, at least just give me a game. Like, uh, and when it's four, nothing, you know, Harvard scores a goal and I'm like, all right, well somewhat make it interesting. And then it was like a minute later, Lowell scores again. So it's like every time that Harvard would, you know, score a goal, it'd be Lowell would answer right away. And so just for, you know, 60%, 75% 60%, 75% of the game, it was just kind of a non-competitive snoozer. So it was a little disappointing there, but, uh, but the nightcap was, I thought a better, a better tilt, um, more of a defensive battle between Omaha and, uh, ASU. I mean, they traded some good scoring chances. I thought like Cozy really played well, like Omaha would have played well for the first half of the game, kind of in, in control. Um, but then, ASU kind of the second half of the of the game was in control and Lacozzi was was coming up huge uh, with some key saves and and then ASU scores in the third and then uh, wins in overtime so they they win their uh, their own tournament for the first time I believe that, that won the Desert Hockey Classic so good for good for them um, I, I have a feeling we're going to get back to Arizona State later in the show so i can bottle up some of that <laughs> some of that energy for later but uh you know uh, a fun series there's a I, I thought a decent amount of uh, omaha fans and gives you kind of an idea of you know when st cloud gets into this conference 
interested like what the St. Cloud contingent will be. Cause I think it's a, it's a really attractive venue, especially in, in this case, you know, early January being able to get out of Omaha and come down to Arizona um, is a nice little, a nice little vacation for Omaha fans. And so it'd be nice to see the same thing happen when St. Cloud gets to play down there in conference play soon. So uh, it's a nice arena. Like I said, I'm going there in a couple of weeks for a Coyotes game as well. And so it's, um, I like it. This is like the fourth time I've been there. And yeah, I, I kind of, I've kind of got my, my little, I kind of walk around. I just do this like standing room and I got kind of my spots that I like. And so it's nice. I go to Gus's pizza afterwards. It's like this New York style pizza joint that has 32 inch pizzas for sale. Weird. Um, there was, I was walking cause it's like I, where I park, I cut through this place to walk to the arena and someone had bought two of them and they couldn't, they opened the back door of their car and they couldn't get the pizzas in the door. <laughs> they were that, that cartoonishly large. Wow. And yeah, it was $38 for a 32 inch pizza. So Jeez. if you want a pizza, that's the size of a truck tire. Um, you can go to Gus's and it's pretty decent pizza. They have pizza by the slice too. I've, I, I like go there after the games mm. and get a slice. So it's kind of nice, but I got some spots I mean, when, when we go there next year or the year after, whenever it is, I'll, I'll be sure to plug my uh, go-to spots for people, so for fans coming to the game. It's kind of interesting. And I guess I've never asked you this um, next year, you know, obviously we're not in the same uh, three team grouping uh, between Ohio state or Ohio state. What am I talking about? Arizona state and, uh, St. Cloud. Um, you know, St. Cloud has an off weekend and Arizona's playing at home. Are you buying a ticket? You go into the game or, um, you just to catch an NCHC game anyway. I typically have done that. I, the last two years, um, they played it's this desert hockey classic is played on two weekends that St. Cloud hasn't played. And then last year I watched them. It was Thanksgiving weekend when St. Cloud wasn't playing and they were playing Arizona state was playing the Gophers. And I went to that game. That was a great game. Um, but I would go to more, but I've, I've been disappointed the last two years. Like both teams have an off week in February and they're the same weekend hmm. these last two years. So, I mean, if, yeah, I'm not going to go to an Arizona state game if St. Cloud's playing that same weekend. Sure. Um, but yeah, I that I would go to more games. It's just, their off weekends have not been lining up. Uh, really, this year, this this weekend was really the only chance. Other, yeah, I think so. I mean, there, there might be, there might have been one other weekend earlier this year that I think they played like Anchorage on a weekend that St. Cloud was off. It's like I pass. So sometimes they don't have like a, a compelling enough opponent, um, but. Yeah, I would go to more if they lined up a little bit better. Sure, but um, yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to an Arizona State game in favor of watching a Huskies game. I'll put it that way. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you've got the we've got this podcast, so I mean, that's right. <laughs> you can't I, I can't flake out on my homework. So yep, exactly. So, um, like overall for the Arizona State game, then how was how was the crowd? Was it it was all right. I mean, the, the Harvard Lowell game was 
a smattering. Thing. I mean, yeah. there was some decent, um, you know, one little section of Lowell fans and a smattering of Harvard connected people um, that were wearing like Harvard garb parents or friends, I'm guessing of the, of the families or of the players' families. And so um, not much there. The, the Arizona state game was, was obviously better attended. Uh, not a ton of students. I bet they're, I, I don't, I bet their students or school is still out. I would say for session sure. because last year that gopher game, Again, that was Thanksgiving, so there could have been a little bit of a break there as well. But that was a pretty full building and a very raucous atmosphere. And this was not quite to that extent, but again, it's a little bit of an off season or school-wise at least. So you didn't have as as much student uh, participation. But yeah, it can be a it can be a fun building. Um, it's just it's it's weird. They just they don't have the tradition yet uh, and they're sort of trying to manufacture it on the fly. And that's a, can be a tough sell. Uh, and, but it's a, certainly a developing hockey market. Uh, youth hockey has been skyrocketing there in the last I don't know, a decade or two. So I think it's the right time uh, for a, for a team like this. And it's excellent that they're getting into this conference from their perspective. I mean, you just look at their schedule this year. Yes. Obviously, obviously being able to play so many home games. I think they got 24 home games this year, but there was a lot of Lindenwood and LIU and uh, Anchorage. And they're playing some kind of dregs of, of, of college hockey, just kind of out of necessity when the schedule gets into, you know, when they play Denver um, the last couple of years, that seems to be kind of a, a little budding rivalry, you know, in terms of geography and, Southwest battle and they played some really entertaining games earlier this year. And so they can get some opportunities to get some rivalries, rivalries going with them and North Dakota, I'm sure will bring a boatload of fans. Of course, I'm sitting there in the Harvard Lowell game and uh, like three rows in front of me, I see a guy with a TJ Oshie uh, Sioux Jersey. I'm like every game every, I go to everywhere you go, there's some North Dakota fan. Uh, even if it doesn't, the game doesn't You're involve like- them. So I'm what sure when they, they when they play, there'll be a boatload of of, of those fans coming down. Yeah. So I can't get, remember it, yeah. where I saw it, but I saw a tweet once that said, "If you see one UND jersey, you know there's four other around. They're like rats, <laughs> like that. You don't just see one mouse in the house. You know there's a lot more you're not seeing. And I think that's. Well, I only saw one, but that doesn't mean that there weren't. Uh, multiple there, there's there. probably a lot more around and one one guy um say hey canadians fan because I, I i wear my husky <laughs> hat um and the last two times that i've been there someone the only people that can come up to be like hey canadians i'm like no we just stole the logo but right. uh they'll they, st cloud state probably means nothing to these uh Ari- budding arizona state college hockey fans but mm. Hopefully well, they'll uh, Arizona they'll can stay. Maybe maybe if they beat us once, maybe you know. Maybe some. they'll have to. Yeah, they'll have to reckon with the Huskies, yeah. the the force that is uh, Go Huskies woo. And so we'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll treat them. We'll we'll christen them into this new conference. So yeah. just wait. Exactly. You think Arizona State gets the first CBS sports game next year? Ooh, that's a good, that's a good prop I, bet. I, I don't see how they don't just straight up. And it's going to be North Dakota or it's either be North Dakota or Denver. 
It's going to be North Dakota or Denver. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like every year... They're in the same pod, right? Yes. So they're guaranteed to play two series, a a home and away series. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find... I'm trying to get a little uh, hint on the next year's schedule because I'm interested if St. Cloud plays down in Tempe next year or if that's going to have to wait. Um, Mm -hmm. Because those non-pod games... It sounds like you're going to play one of the teams in the other pods, two series, meaning one home and one away series. And then the other two teams in those pods, you're just going to play one either home or road series. So it's not guaranteed you're going to play down in Arizona every year. Yeah. But like two out of three years, probably. So certainly when they come down to this neck of the woods, I'm going to those games for sure. So looking forward to that. Sure enough. I know we talked quite a bit about uh, Arizona State, uh, but you might as should we just dive right into pairwise predictor half? Sure. Uh, we're been, yeah. we're unofficial halfway through the season, and uh, considering how well I was predicting the field at the beginning of the season, as you so nicely brought up my Harvard and Mass Lowell predictions. Um. Uh, how do you want to do this? How do you want to start? So we're going men first. Yep. Okay. I, I always like to start out east and then work our way west. So we just kind of go conference by conference, see oh, yeah. who you got out of that league, and we'll get to sixteen, and gotcha. then we can we can analyze. So okay. I always well, like to start with Atlantic because I, that's a like the dartboard league. Well, and here's the thing is. Maybe we could do Atlantic and CCHA because we can just knock. You want to get off. them out of the way first? Just get them. Like, out that's of the fair because we both right? got just one team out of those leagues, right? I, I would imagine. Yeah, that's what I so, have. I just have one okay. team in each of those leagues. Perfect. I'm sticking with Sacred Heart. You know, I want to <laughs> be like your commitment to the bit. <laughs> I am. I'm. I. RIT is doing incredibly well, and that's um, why they're that's and they're on the rise. So I can see them winning it, but for the bit. And for the memes and the lulls, and please let me get one right. I'm going to go with Sacred Heart from Atlantic High. Who Sacred Heart technically, again, not they've got one more game played than RIT. So by conference winning percentage, RIT's in first place. But by the raw point total, Sacred Heart is in first place. So it's I would if I were you, I would stick with Sacred Heart because I think I had Niagara at the beginning of the year. <laughs> and that is not That's looking not to be looking a good, good. good one. I think I picked RIT in October, though, and I'm going to stick with them. They are the highest ranked uh, team in pairwise out of the Atlantic Hockey. You should say, too, I mean, at 19 in pairwise. And so yeah. 18, I should say, actually, with the updated uh, pairwise 18. So within spitting distance of an at-large, I still think that's a unlikely scenario that they're going to get an at-large bid or or a bid above either 15 or 16 because I should mention like it's possible particularly if RIT comes out of that league they're probably going to be the 15th seed rather than the 16th seed 16th yeah. seed is likely going to be CCHA CCHA which is a bit of a wrinkle where I was just used to muscle memory just having placing the Atlantic winner as the 16th seed but not this year because the CCHA has been a dumpster fire. Uh, and I'm interested to see who you've got coming out of that league. I'm actually going to stick with Michigan tech. Okay. So 
I I am going to stay the course on uh, on that one. I believe. I guess I should double check, but I'm pretty sure I was pretty high on them because I, I think a lot of people were actually fairly high on Michigan Tech at the beginning um, of the year. At yes. the beginning of the year in um, October, they, they, they remember they out, went they went a uh, winless first. winless October, yeah. Just and at that point I went with Northern Michigan. I shifted to Northern Michigan. You shifted to Lake State at that point coming out of uh, the CCHA, but you're going to go back to your preseason prediction yes. and you're going to go with Michigan tech, which I yep. certainly um, considered them. I think they're going to be the number one team. I think they're going to win the, the uh, regular season trophy. If it still is the McNaughton, I know they own the cup, but they own it. So I don't it's know theirs. if that's still technically the award that they give off for the CCHA regular season champ, but I think they're going to be the number one seed, but I think they're going to lose in the playoffs. And I don't really have a great reason for that. Other than I just don't really trust them. And so I'm going to go with uh, Mankato, who's the highest ranked team in pairwise uh, in the C- among the CCHA teams right now. It's faint praise with them at 30th in the pairwise. Yeah, I was going to say that's, um, but can I could, could I envision Mankato going up to Houghton and winning a game in the CCHA playoffs? Sure, because I don't really think that any of these teams are very good. Uh, yes, Michigan Tech's getting Swankler for the second half, but um, you know, based on what transpired to get him to Michigan Tech, I'm not sure if Michigan Tech really wants him in that clubhouse. So we'll see how it all shakes out. Just that that team's just been kind of a mess all year and I just don't trust them to get the job done. Even though I think, like I said, I think they're going to win the league in the regular season, but I think the winner is going to be a road team in the final. And I'm going to just pick Mankato maybe in terms of like, I, that wouldn't be too bad for the Huskies. I mean, they got swept by Mankato. So it's not like it's helping them if they do well, but it's going to make it, those losses look less bad, I guess. So uh, I'll I'll go with uh, with Mankato out of the league, but Michigan Tech is a solid pick too. Michigan fresh off a GLI victory, um, you know, end up winning Shoot three out. to two, <laughs> three to two in uh, overtime against Alaska, and then three to three against Michigan State, who I think maybe is the surprise of uh, yeah Wisconsin, um, but like of I I did not expect Michigan. To, state to be hanging in there um they're solid like firmly in the tournament so um i i set this up a little bit differently so i'm gonna have to kind of a little bit on the fly because that's fine how how i looked at this and when i was looking at the pairwise and i was looking at the ncaa tournament i kind of came up with there's two main keys to picking my field that i have to hitch my wagon to the first key is I have to look at ECAC and what's going to happen there because we have Quinnipiac, um, who is the only team that yep. is good. <laughs> only team um, in the top 20. O- in, only team in the in top ECC. 20. Um, and then it was, what, last year, I believe? Colgate took a spot. They got four teams in last year. Because again, yeah. Quinnipiac, Harvard, and Cornell were all at larges, and then Colgate won the tournament. Mm-hmm. They were not a quality, a, a league that 
would have suggested a four team league. Like the Big Ten got four teams in last year too. Yeah, for the ECAC to get as many teams in as Big Ten is kind of shocking. But mm-hmm. and that's you know, and that's famously also what bumped Alaska out. I believe Alaska was the last team out. Um, do I think that's going to happen? Like you said, that I mean, there were three other at larges that if they would have won the tournament, that doesn't take an at large spot. Whereas here, do I trust Quinnipiac to run it? Otherwise, yes, a less deserving team is going to end up going. So that's one key I had to wrestle with and decide. And the other one was looking at Hockey East. And both of those, because right now when we're looking at Hockey East, they've got six teams um, that are in pretty good position. Um, Well, they have six teams within the top 14 right now. Correct. Yep. So um, with those, um, obviously, uh, BUBC, Maine, um, incredibly surprising. Also another, you know, big surprise. uh, Providence, New Hampshire, really big surprise as well. Um, and then UMass. So, so my keys are, do I think Quinnipiac and the ECAC is only going to be a one that's going to be their only representative or is another one going to sneak in? And then do I think that all six teams are going to be there still by the end of the time, but when it's all said and done, or is there going to be one or two that drop out? Um, and that's kind of what my biggest hang up was, um, when I was kind of looking at the pairwise and looking at kind of predicting the field, do you feel the same way? Or do you feel like I'm a little bit off track when it comes to like, those were like my linchpins of what I was wrestling with? Uh, yeah, I mean the, the EC, ECAC as a one team league, I did have to grapple with that. And I ended up I do I do not think Quinnipiac is going to win the the ECAC conference tournament. They've only done it once in their ECAC uh existence and that's with the last 10 years of them being a fairly elite program. I just like I said last year they just this is not the prize for them. I don't think they really care about the ECAC tournament. They care about the NCAAs. And so I do think there's going to be a auto bid from that league winning the tournament and then Quinnipiac is going to get in as an at large. So I have two teams in the ECAC and then, yeah, I mean, it's what I kind of looked at is I didn't look at it between hockey East and ECAC between like grappling of positioning between a number of teams of those leagues. I'm, I kind of focus on what I've seen a, a strong correlation of stacking up the leagues by out of, or, uh, interconference records in non-conference play, and this year Hockey East, Big Ten, and EC or NCAC, excuse me, those three leagues are clearly head and shoulders above the the other three leagues. There was really, I think, Big Ten is still number one. I can check this on the fly, but they're all pretty close together in terms of percentage of non-conference winning percentage. Um, and but I believe Big Ten was was still in front. Yeah, Big Ten's at 735 winning percentage, NCHC at 694, Hockey's at 683. And then the other three leagues all sub 40% winning percentages. And so what I'm seeing there is I don't see that each of any of those three top leagues is like head and shoulders above the any of the others. 
So I kind of like, I'm just going to have all three of those leagues have the same amount of teams. So I've got four teams out of those three leagues. And then I've got the two, the Atlantic and CCHA, which I know are two auto bid leagues. It really kind of comes down to is ECAC going to be a one bid league or a two bid league or the wild card being an independent, namely Arizona state or Alaska be, be the really two the two contenders to get a spot out of the independence. So I kind of started there. I, so I kind of started with the number of teams that I think each league's going to get. And then, but there is even there, like, do I want three teams out of the big 10 and five out of hockey East or adding one or subtracting one from the NCHC, those fringe teams, like the fourth teams I have in each of those three leagues, those are all iffy. I could certainly swap them in with other candidates or add one of the fringe teams that didn't quite make the cut, add one and then subtract one from another conference. I mean, the, uh, basically the top eight in pairwise, or I guess the top 10, I feel were locks. And then the other six were a mix between making the tournament and missing it. So, so I had four of, of four teams in each hockey East big 10 and NCHC. That's how I kind of helped to start my decision-making process. That that you just, you just created maybe bracketology nightmare. (laughs) Oh, possibly. I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. (laughs) just 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 um you know trying to avoid as best they can with uh, interconference um but that goes out the window if you get five teams in um and uh you know with you know three conferences having four then um is you know you create a little bit of a headache there well, um, we've got two Eastern regionals and two Western regionals this year. It's not as it's not as thorny as it was last year when you really had three Eastern regionals and one West. So, yeah, you can spread the love around. You can still have an all Minnesota team uh, or a three three team Western regional, uh, three team from Minnesota Western regional if you want. So, yeah, there'll be something for for uh, for those kind of fans. Uh, but <laughs> so. For ECAC, maybe then then ECAC. Then I am very curious on where you're. So you said uh, you're just doing Quinnipiac. I'm just doing Quinnipiac, and they're going to win the ECAC tournament. I regret my decision now after you brought up the fact that how they collapse in the ECAC playoffs, or they don't care about it. It It's a collapse. I I don't think they really care uh, too much. Um, So I mean, that's a good point. (laughs) So it's but like last year, like even if I didn't think that Quinnipiac was going to play their heart out at the ECAC tournament, I wouldn't have picked Colgate to be the team to get out of that tournament. And I'm just picking the next best team out of that league from what I can gather. And that's Cornell. So again, can I put in my head that Cornell is going to win the ECAC tournament in in Lake Placid? Sure. Like they've done that before and they're a playoff season team. Coach has been there forever. And so it wouldn't shock me if, if uh, Cornell makes the tournament, there's like, Teams that would shot like, yeah, Colgate's not going to win the tournament this year. Uh, Clarkson's not going to win the tournament. Harvard, as we mentioned, is terrible. Um, it just doesn't seem like there was a ton of other great candidates out of that league. So where is this is more a I'm just playing the three dimensional chess that Pecknold's got bigger fish to fry and that they're going to kind of take the ECAC tournament 
as sort of a uh, practice dry run and that some other team is going to be a little bit more hungry. And that team that I'm going to predict being more hungry is uh, Cordell. So I'm going to pick them as the second ECAC team. And then for so you're, you're kind of going to see them maybe being on that 16, 17, 18 spot. And then really like, I don't think I've, they will not out, be in the top 16. They're going to yeah. be outside the top 16 and they'll get in by they'll, winning the they'll get tournament out of it. only. That's the only right. way that they're going to be able to, to get the, to get to the tournament. I like it. And then for hockey East, you were mentioning you got, we've got the six teams currently that are inside the gate. I said, I've only got four making the final field. I guess I can divulge that four. It's no real surprise, I guess. It is the top four in pairwise out of the league right now. BC, BU, Maine, and Providence. So I've got UNH and UMass out. So yeah, I think you have you have New Hampshire out. I find that interesting. Well, I mean, I certainly don't think there's going to be six teams making the tournament out of Hockey East. Now that the uh, second half, for aside from the bean pot, it's all going to be conference play. Uh, the rest of the way. And so you're going to have some cannibalization going on here among the conference yep. members. That's true. Particularly at the lower levels of the conference. Uh, you had picked UNH in October. I didn't say it on the podcast, but I remember being more confident about Maine, although I didn't take them and you didn't take them either. I would have been more confident. Like Maine strikes me as like next year could be what New Hampshire is doing. It's like what Maine's doing this year. New Hampshire could do next year. Uh, I just, I think they're a little, a little early and I think that they're going to, they're going to fade a little bit. And same with UMass. I picked them in October, but I remember looking at their kind of underlying metrics, possession stats and such, and they weren't real great. I, if I was to pick between those two, if I was like, if I was going to add a fifth hockey East team, I'd probably put UMass ahead of UNH. I guess I just don't really trust UNH. Um, sure. but, and I, I really don't love Providence either, but I'm going to stick to my guns that they're going to make it as a four seed. And then they're going to host in Providence and people will be upset <laughs> about that. And I gotta, I gotta stick to the bit there, but that's, and main your third and pairwise. I still think, I don't expect them to even be a one seed. They're kind of like Miramac, um, from last year where Miramac was, I think third and pairwise right around this time. And they had to cling to like the last at large bid as a four seed just to make the tournament i think Maine's a little bit better than last year's miramac team but i'd still think they're going to be either a two or maybe a high three seed um but you're a third in pairwise at this time of year that's essentially a lock so and bc and bu are uber talented and those two teams both of those teams could be one seeds uh wouldn't be surprised but again the fact that they play in the same league and they're going to be playing each other down the stretch it you might have some cannibalization between those two. Like it might be one of those gets a one seed and one that gets a high two seed, but uh, we'll see about that. But uh, so I, as far as the four sures, it's BCBU and Maine Providence solid, like 75% confident, but that's, that's my four uh, teams out of hockey East. Um, what would you, what'd you do with that league? Um, I did have New Hampshire in. Um, so as a I, fifth team, in addition to yes. those four. Yep, in addition to those four. Um, so I do think they're going to get five. I do expect also UMass to kind of drop off a little bit. Um, 
out. So, but just just kind of looking at the the like just kind of the overall schedules and looking at the team makeup kind of as a whole. Um, I, I just felt like they'd be able to kind of squeak in there, you know, kind of as a low three high four seed. Um, you know, they're a little bit, um, you know, they've kind of like a, from what I've gathered, at least more of like a one line team, um, you know, but they've got, uh, Ryan Kami is a freshman who's been just kind of lighting it up. Um, he's a six round pick of the, uh, of, of the Kings, but, um, you know, they, they, they've played, you know, you know, they earlier in the season, and I guess that's probably clouding my judgment a little bit, but, you know, early in the season, they beat Boston, they beat Quinnipiac, um, you know, their exhibition games against Maine have, um, at the beginning of the year was tight. Um, they did lose to them here in December. Um, but they've got a lot of good opportunities, I think, to get some solid pairwise points, starting with this weekend against Boston. Um, you know, where they're at Boston, they've got a couple of games against Boston College, uh, three games actually against Boston College. Um, by two the more the against Maine. They got two a tough against... schedule, which is, I, I like that. Like when I'm looking which at I like the, that yep. I, I, potential like fringe teams, like Arizona State, for instance. Exactly. If I see a team that's got a tougher schedule, that gives them more opportunities to gain in the pairwise. And losses to good teams aren't going to hurt you as bad. Looking at Arizona State, they got cupcakes the rest of the way, essentially. And you, you got to close to run the table in order for them to, to move up because you're just not playing teams that are any good. So I kind of look at if you got a tougher schedule, I, I kind of see that as a positive. But But again... If you don't win those games, uh, at the end of the day, you're you're not going to get in. Just that, from my perspective, New, New Hampshire. I've been watching a little bit of them too. They lost to Army recently, which I didn't think was a very good result. They've had some bad losses uh, in in some non conference, but some good non conference wins to offset that as well. Quinnipiac, and uh, you mentioned not non conference, but they they beat BU early in the season as well. So they're certainly a, a capable team. Um, I'm just thinking. Um, a little early for them, but uh, kind of rooting for them because they haven't really done anything of note for about a decade. So it'd be nice to to get them back into the mix, but um, I think that they're just a little bit on the outside. One of the, one of the few teams right on the outside looking in. They're they're close, but just not not quite there for me. But I'm sure I'll be proven wrong. Yeah, they would be three and a half goals per game. Yeah, they would be my um, um, first team out of the of the uh, pairwise or of the uh, among the at larges. Like either that, like maybe one of the first. At this point, I guess they're the uh, the highest rated pairwise team that I have out of the tournament. I guess I'll even put it that way. But sure enough, they're close. Yep. So you had five in hockey East. I had four. Yep. I had two in ECAC. You just had one. So I guess let's move to the uh, two final Western leagues. We want to end with NCHC for local angle. Yeah, let's end with NCHC. Well, okay. I mean, I guess we have independent too. We have independent as well, which so, we'll touch on. Uh, we've but, touched on a little bit, but uh, how about we go Big Ten first? Let's go 
Big Ten. I mentioned I've got four teams in each of these leagues. So bit of a spoiler alert there. If you can do the math, you can figure out how many independent teams I have included in my field of 16. <laughs> but uh, for the Big Ten, yeah, I mean, two two locks for me with, again, mentioning Think about saying that at the beginning of the season. My two locks for the Big Ten are Michigan State and Wisconsin. Those are my two locks. And then I've got two others who are very much question marks. But um, I've got Minnesota and Michigan both making it as well. Yeah, I do too. Um, And, you know, I know Michigan wasn't at full strength when they played us. And I know they did get the better of us (laughs) in terms of, you know, pairwise and everything along those lines. I am. I, I just don't see it with Michigan. And I think especially with this season for Minnesota, I think they're a little bit more one dimensional. Um, but I do think they're going to have enough in the gas to get to the national tournament. I don't think they're going to make much noise inside of it though. As you can tell, I mean, they're fringe teams and, you know, we might even have a situation here looking at Michigan for a, for a possible uh, Wisconsin rule update. Wisconsin rule update. Go backwards. As of right now, they're That's sitting right. at eight and seven. So. As, yeah, I didn't. Well, here's the fly in that ointment. Check out who Michigan's got this coming weekend. Yeah, I'll give you a hint. It's uh, rhymes with pone pill. Uh <laughs> Those are two wins there. So uh, that's going to move them up to 10 and seven and three. And that's that might put the Wisconsin rule uh, speculation to bed, unfortunately. Right. Well, but, at least I got to use the sounder once. <laughs> I, and I'm glad you did. And still hope. I mean, they're still like Notre Dame is 10, 10 and two. And they're at 21. I mean, it's possible that they could kind of inch up mm-hmm. into a, uh, into territory. It's going to say Penn state, but they're never really going to be in danger of being a Wisconsin rule candidate with their non-conference, uh, kind of yeah. racking up non-conference wins. So yeah, that's, uh, that is a shame, but maybe the house is, yeah, I have some Stonehill. We'll, we'll get back. I have some Stonehill porn later in the show <laughs> that I was doing some research on. I want some prop bets from you with Stonehill. So, Oh, uh, we'll, we'll get back to them. But between, I mean, between Minnesota and Michigan, I think I'd rather take Michigan over Minnesota. Actually, I mean, I I think they're they're similar teams in terms of they got kind of shaky goalies. I, I don't really trust either of their goalies. I mean, don't tell that to St. Cloud with the way that Barchescu or whatever his name is played against the Huskies. But you know, I never really been a big fan of close and. Uh, if you take out the with the St. Cloud weekend for Burcheski, he's not been real great for the Wolverines either. So, but I just between those two, like Michigan has just more skill than Minnesota does. Uh, and as you said, like we saw what McGrory can do uh, at the World Juniors, put out quite a show there, and yeah. maybe not even at 100% health still. So, I mean, if they have him back and the rest of their, you know, group of high scoring. Uh, talented underclassmen, I would give the edge to them. Whereas, like the Gophers have Snuggerud, and he's really good. 
Um, but it's, yeah, you, you see what the effect of losing guys like Faber and Cooley and Nyes. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to dip a little bit in, in quality and I'm not, you know, it's tough to replace those kind of guys. I'm not sort of blaming him, but I don't, yeah, they're, they've kind of been a split, split uh, team all year. Like they really haven't been, um, you know, no winning streaks that they've been able to, to develop. Maybe they'll be able to start one because they got Bobby Morris coming in this weekend, but, uh, but then it's the rest of the big 10 schedule for them. And they haven't proven to me yet that they're going to take the, bull by the horns here and, and really make a charge. And even if they make the tournament, it's going to be a lower seed, I think a three or a four. So interesting. And there's, like we mentioned like Notre Dame. I mean, the only two teams in the conference right now that are above 500 in conference play is Michigan state and Wisconsin. You got Minnesota at 500, you know, and that's with four wins out of 12 games, got a bunch of ties and overtime results in there as well but everyone else is below 500 other than, you know, Ohio state's cooked. They're winless in conference, but yeah. the other, you know, even Penn state and, and Notre Dame, they're, they're in the mix. Notre Dame, especially because I think Bischel is a solid goalie and he can keep him in, you know, in a lot of games. So it's uh, another good year for the big 10. I, I don't think they're quite as good as they were last year, but uh, um, still pretty high quality uh, conference. And, that's why I'm because even though I'm not like completely sold on Michigan and Minnesota, I think the the overall strength of the conference is going to help them win the day where they're still going to get more than half the teams in their league in. So that's uh, I guess we're uh, in violent agreement about uh, those four teams making it. Out of yeah, I'm not happy with that. And I did Russell like when I said about the six hockey East team, because I don't know about Michigan. Um, so I was thinking, you know, if UMass, Michigan, which one of those, and it's kind of ironic how I kind of came up with the conclusion, whether it's right or whether it's wrong, but whereas Hockey East could kind of cannibalize themselves with that many different teams all vying, vying for it, whereas in Michigan's case, it kind of helps to propel it maybe a little bit up higher with only four teams, um, you know, it's, it's kind of that kind of weird, weird balance of, of what I ended up with. Um, I think I actually, when I looked at like the probability matrix or whatnot, um, we don't got the probability matrix up yet. Do it's we? not CHN. It's some other site that I found. There's another probability had, matrix. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think it only had like Michigan's, Michigan at like 28% or something really? like that to make, make that make the tournament. But well, similar to hockey East. I mean, you got the cannibalization factor here because yeah. you got Minnesota and <laughs> that's weird. So they both Minnesota and Michigan, these two fringe teams we're talking about both have non-conference this weekend and both against terrible teams, like yeah, just just bottom gross. three teams and Stonehill and Robert Morris. But then after that, it's conference play the rest of the way. And so it's good that you're not really playing a bad team in the bunch in conference play, even Ohio state is like top half of the pairwise um, as their last place team. So that gives you the opportunity to get good wins, but you're also playing tough competition. And it's kind of the, the, the formula as we've seen from the Gophers for splitting a lot of weekends and harder for them to make hay in the pairwise doing, doing that. But yeah, it's, 
whenever you have more than half the teams in the league make the NCAAs that like that fourth team in, if there is going going to be a, a possibility of the Wisconsin rule, it's going to be a, a team in that situation. So yeah, if it's one of Michigan or Minnesota or one of the other contenders that we've mentioned, uh, we might get some action on that sounder. We'll, we'll hope and see. Yep. Exactly. Uh, so ending off NCHC, you got four teams. I've got four teams. And just to remind us the, uh, I should have listened to the, the show we did in October. Cause I'm just going off the top of my head here, but I know that neither of us had St. Cloud. I know that I had Western Michigan and I, I know I had Duluth, but that was more like a, I want to jinx them. So I'm not even going to, uh, you're not going to count that as a, I'm not even going to count that really. It, it is a win because I kind of did jinx them. So, um, and then I know you had Omaha, which I did mm-hmm. not have. We both had North Dakota and Denver. I can't remember if I had both Western Michigan and Duluth or just, I think I might've just had Duluth and maybe Western was, was a four was just off the list, but, um, yeah, getting back to the Huskies, we, we both were not confident at the last weekend of October after the, uh, disastrous month of October. It ended. We were not feeling it. Spoiler alert. I got the Huskies in the field. Yep. So do I. So do we got, are we going boring and just taking the top four and pairwise with Western as well? Yeah. Yeah. I think we are. You're, Um, you're, you're cooled on Omaha. Yeah. It's, I, I just, the consistency isn't there. Um, I do like let cozy, but um, I, I just don't think they have enough firepower, um, to go ahead and, uh, make, make a solid run. Um, so it's, yeah, the, so the, those four of the teams that, that I have, obviously Denver and North Dakota being as far up as they are, is a pretty easy, pretty easy get. Um, but you know, as I said earlier, I was talking about the Huskies, I really like how they're kind of set up right now and how their defense is coming together. And, you know, if we get some of that all four line scoring, um, it, that's going to be key in, in all these stretches here coming up. So, uh, yeah. So those are, you know, basically, so that's my field. Um, uh, and that's kind of what I had to wrestle with when I, when I was looking at it, uh, and uh, those, I think, were some of the subs. But I think, you know, it kind of is a testament, too, is how boring, you know, our picks were and how similar they were is just how the the fact that so many of these or just how college hockey is kind of shaped when it comes to the national tournament and the pairwise and everything, you know, we could look at this around Thanksgiving and 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 get a good sense of you know all the teams and who's good and who's bad and whatnot um so i think it's just kind of a a testament to the beast of you know this is how you know we we pick the 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 games and the tournaments and it's 100 percent math so it's a lot easier to predict once you get to this part of the season where you can get those trends to see where they're at now there might be a couple other surprises you know looking back to 
previous years when I was doing some of the research um, when it comes to it. I mean, obviously we talked about Colgate, um, but looking at, you know, the 21-22 season, you had, um, you know, Cornell, who was right there on the bubble at 15th. By the end of the year, they dropped down to 24th. Um, so, you know, you've got some of these kind of ranges, um, 18, 19 season Clarkson was 16th. Um, and then they ended up as the, the first two seed. They, they went up to fifth that year. Cornell went from 17th to 11. Harvard went from 22 to 13th. So there was a lot more of a, a jump here, uh, from that year. That's, you know, Penn state, Western Michigan union were the three teams that were you know, on good positions in the bubble that ended up dropping. Um, and then 2017, 2018 was just kind of that crazy year where you had BU, Princeton, Michigan Tech, and Air Force, which I don't want to talk about that. But, um, you know, you got those years where those four were outside of, you know, pairwise. I guess Boston, BU was right there on the bubble at 15. Um, but, I mean, you had North Dakota, who was eight at the pairwise at this time in 2018 and didn't end up making the tournament. So um, you'll have some of those anomalies. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, North Dakota, Minnesota, and uh, Western Michigan at that time, eight, nine, and 10, you know, took up those spots. So eight, nine, and 10 at the, this point in 2018 that ended up dropping out of the tournament by virtue of just, dropping pairwise points and upsets in the conferences. I think I remember there was, it was Alaska Fairbanks. They were, it was 2010. It's, I believe it's the only, it's the only NCAA tournament they've made. And they and made, I, I should say that was the point zero 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 one year. Oh, yeah. And don't remind me. Just, just for Dan Jacobson, because we've been ragging on Duluth and, they deserve to be raided on, I guess. Yes. Should. Yes, they do deserve. But to be I still won't on. talk about Air Force. If Bob won't give us an answer, I shouldn't have to answer for it. So I'm sorry, yeah. Alaska. Yeah, the 09, the 0910 uh, Alaska Nanooks. I'd like to know exactly where they were because I, I know that they have like a uh, distinction of being the latest team to be in the 20s in pairwise to make an at large run because they were in the 20s in february of 2010 they went on a unbeaten streak for like the month of february getting into early march and they were able to sneak into the tournament and that one was it's just an anomaly because if you're that buried in that late in the season typically not gonna be able to make it back but you have stories like that outlier stories that, that a couple that you'd mentioned too where teams either drop from pretty solid position or just rise out of nowhere tends to take fluky things like winning out of like your regular season. And that's it. Like they didn't make it as the automatic qualifier. They made it as an at large, which again is what makes it unique. So, I mean, yeah, there's teams like if there's, is there a team that we haven't mentioned yet, even in our discussion of possible teams and fringe teams, like of the teams that we haven't even mentioned here, is there like Colorado college at 19? Like, are they a legit contender? We haven't yeah. mentioned you know, Northeastern sitting there at 24. Like, they've had kind of a rough first half of the year, but they got some big wins lately with against BC and they took Quinnipiac to overtime. 
Like uh, Dartmouth's having a weird effing season at four, <laughs> four, and six. <laughs> uh, They'll tie their way way into a pairwise. They're third in the in ECAC by pairwise Dartmouth. So it's a weird year, and something weird could happen uh, like that. So yeah, well, it's and then you know, possible. I know we talked quite a bit about it, but Arizona State as an independent. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Let's get to them because. So I mean, that's so neither of us have them in the tournament. No, and I had them in October. I picked them. Yep. Because so, I was looking at the schedule, and mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking it's so home heavy. My whole thing was let's let's put a pin in this because last year the whole thing with with Alaska having such a uh, chance to make the uh, NCAA's I think was largely this didn't really go reported. Um, I think it was largely on the heels of them playing such a road heavy schedule, the way that the pairwise is weighted with road games counting as 120% of a win rather than home games, which are 80% of wins. So you're almost penalized for winning home games and you're incentivized. You get a bonus for winning road games. And I was just looking at Arizona state. (laughs) I was looking at Arizona's or uh, Alaska's schedule last year. They didn't have a ton of like great wins. Like they, they won at Notre Dame, but Notre Dame didn't make the tournament. They won at Denver. I think that was like the only win they had against it, an actual NCAA tournament qualifier. So they had a couple of wins, decent wins here and there. Uh, but most of their wins were against the Lindenwoods and the, uh, the Anchorages and the other independents. And so I was just kind of baffled as to far as why they were as high as they were. And I think it was in large part because they played I think it was 20 road games versus 14 home games. Whereas with Arizona state this year, kind of got the opposite of that where they're playing such a home heavy schedule. And as I mentioned, you only get 80% of a home win um, in terms of pairwise. So I figured I had the hunch and because a lot of their schedule is again, like, uh, like Alaska, it's heavy on, especially in the second half, the independence and those type of teams aren't, aren't very good. And so I was curious as to, I, I bet this team's going to rack up a lot of wins, but because they're playing them mostly at home and they're mostly not quality teams, that that's not going to be enough for them to win in Paris. And I said, take a circle the dates against Denver and Providence, because those are the two best teams that they play on the schedule. If they can w- get win a game out, out of both of those teams, they might be in decent position. Well, they won a game against each of those teams, but they were both in overtime. So again, that's further cutting into the pairwise uh, because overtime wins get you 60% of 80%. Again, if you don't follow <laughs> me, I, I understand. Um, but just to say that an overtime win is not as valuable as a full regulation win. And they've got 16 wins or 16, three and five. But yet five of those are in overtime. Uh, five of those 16 wins are in overtime. Uh, and they've got some some weird results like... Um, mentioned Dartmouth two ties against Dartmouth at home uh, just very strange big one for them they took they had to go to overtime to beat Stonehill this is kind of wild their overtime win against Stonehill if they would have won that in regulation that's costing them one spot in the pairwise right now you change the <laughs> overtime win to a regulation win they're up to 15 it could be if there's if they remain right on the fringe here it could be that Flip an overtime that win, an overtime win is what's going to screw them. Uh, but 
So I, and just looking at the remainder of the schedule, they got Cornell this weekend. Now Cornell is 21st in pairwise. Uh, and then they have Alaska four times, but Cornell, I believe Alaska is below them in, in, uh, below Cornell and pairwise now just double checking. Yeah. Alaska's at 22 Cornell's at 20. Um, actually this might not be. Yeah. Cornell at 20, Alaska at 22. That's the highest pairwise team they have remaining. I just don't see them being able to move up unless they really kind of close to run the table. They have 16 games, excuse me, 14 games left. I mean, I would assume if they go 30 and three and whatever amount of ties that they're probably going to make the tournament, but I could definitely see them go to have 25 wins and be 17th and pairwise and out. And I kind of see that's what's going to happen. And so now, not only am I going to predict that they're not going to make the tournament, but I think we're going to get some quality journalism. And you remember the, uh, the Lowell sun, <laughs> the article? Lowell sun sports. Yeah. Well, we saying about had... why do we play this pair? Why is this pairwise here? When, when we had so many wins, we're going to have some great either Twitter rants oh, yeah. or let's maybe there's a you know student newspaper out there. Someone at the end of the year is going to say, this is a travesty. Arizona state won 20, 20 X games, whatever, 24, 25 wins and Michigan won 16 or whatever it is. And they're in the tournament and, and we're not, and it's unfair. And so I like me predicting that Providence is going to make the term as a four seed and host. And people are going to be sore about that. I'm also going to predict that Arizona state will not make the field. And we're going to have some outraged pairwise illiterate uh, Arizona state fans who are going to call foul on the whole system. <laughs> so that's well, my mean, prediction. You, you already have their Twitter account uh, who is asking or has put in their resume um, for they're building the resume that they're 11th and they have currently the longest undefeated streak in uh, program history. Okay. Uh, tied for uh, number one with the fewest losses, um, only three. Um, and you know, second, they gotta, I'm sure they've got to be up the there country. with, yeah, they got to be up there in terms of are they leading the league in wins? Wisconsin's got 18, yeah, so I'm sure they're on the second most wins in NCAA with 16. Again, five so, of those in overtime, like, and that you know, just like. Oh, it, it's so funny to me that, you know, obviously, and they got dragged on Twitter and even I posted the meme of DW looking at that tweet, like a sign that says, you know, that doesn't apply because I can't read. <laughs> and, you know, where I said that is the pairwise, because um, obviously it doesn't take into effect any type of resumes of look at all of our accomplishments that aren't, hey, this is who you've beaten. Here's who you lost to and who here's who those Uh, teams have lost to and beaten you know so it's just this weird thing at least when what bowling green had that tweet you know back in the COVID year you know pairwise was kind of thrown out the window where you could make an actual you had to convince a a committee there yeah yeah so i mean it didn't work that time so i don't know why they thought that it would work here this time uh for for this one but um 
anyway, yeah, no, hundred percent. We're gonna we're gonna get that about you know crying foul, and then they're gonna be in the NCHC next year, and they're f- firmly gonna finish sixth. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I'm write that down. It is January eighth, twenty twenty four. And you got sixth place in the 24-25 season. Yep, sixth place, Arizona State. Okay, writing that down, putting that in my time vault. And we will circle back on that one. Yeah, it's just, it's one of those, like, yeah, because you're a new program and it's, you know, not a natural hockey market, you've really got to pump up the tires of, like, the credibility. Because this is a serial problem. For this program because this started when you mentioned was it dan jacobson that had had pointed out that they were bragging about their first ncaa tournament win being in a mid-season tournament and that kind of it, it kind of sounded like they're ma- yeah. ma- making it seem like it was an ncaa tournament win mm-hmm. like they won a national title but it was like a mid-season tournament i texted you the picture i was unaware <laughs> yeah. that they they have a uh they've risen banners for their ncaa tournament appearance in 2019 which they played that year they lost to quinnipiac in the in the tournament that year they made it as an at-large that year but next to that there was a banner for them making the ncaa tournament in 2020 as well which there was no tournament. There was no year. NCAA tournament. They year. were inside the pairwise gate at the time that COVID killed that year. I'm not quite a hundred percent sure that that's like a given that they would have made the tournament. Cause he still had postseason tournaments needing to shake out. So it's not even certain like CHN gives them a check Mark in their team history for making the tournament that year. But CHN's app has been so wrong. I don't know why we're using them as some sort of authority on this matter. That, I mean, I've, as I mentioned to you, I'm a little embarrassed St. Cloud still feels compelled to to raise banners or at least add to banners about their NCAA tournament appearances. Because I think they've, they've deserved, they've risen the bar a little higher. This though, raising a banner for a tournament that never existed, that's a new one. And it just, it, it you tell on yourself when you have to sort of be creative and, and kind of fudge the facts a little bit to sort of boost up your reputation. It's cute, uh, yeah, which is what I'll say. And I wouldn't be shocked now that they've won this, this Desert Hockey Classic finally. And they won the uh, brand new Adirondack Holiday Tournament last weekend in uh, Lake Placid, winning that tournament in the uh in the shootout who always love those i'm we gotta expect them to be like back-to-back ncaa tournament champions arizona state back-to-back back-to-back weekends two ncaa titles in men's ice hockey (laughs) so uh we we gotta expect that i guess they're setting their bar very very high as we've seen so yeah, there's going to um, be some some saltiness uh, in Tempe come March 20th or so. I'm predicting that. That's, yeah. And that, the thing that struck me also about that tweet is, like, I, like, you could have that information as good for pumping up your program and, you know, getting people excited and everything like that. But, I mean, 
all you had to do was just not include building a resume. Like, <laughs> because that's, that's not how any of this works. <laughs> so you could just have it as, as here's some facts like, Hey, we're 11th in the, in the polls where hey, if you, you want know, to cherry pick facts and yeah, stats and numbers to, to make yourself look as good as possible. Great. But that I can cherry pick negative stats to <laughs> say how your resume quote unquote, isn't as great. Like, their best regulation win this year in terms of pairwise is a two nothing win at CC. They haven't beaten a team above them in pairwise in a regulation win all year. Uh, so they just, the schedule, the, the strength of their wins isn't is, is good. If they would have beaten Stonehill in regulation, like everybody else has done this year. Um, or if they hadn't gone to, you know, overtime twice against Miami or not if they could have beaten Dartmouth. Um, these are the these are the things that are holding them back. Um, yeah, it's 16, 3, and 5 is a gaudy record, but and I'm someone that I am not a pairwise uh, is the best ever, and I it's uh, pairwise or death. I've said on here many times some weaselly arguments about how we can maybe tweak the system a little bit, but this is what the pairwise generally is there for, because if you have a team yeah. with this kind of record, it's all about the opponents that you're playing. Uh, you could play a, a, a season when you're playing 20 games against Stonehill and you go 20, and oh, do you really think that you should make the tournament? This is what the computers are here for. So while I, I, I am not the biggest pairwise defender, this is the kind of situation where it's, it's, this is why we have it. So it's um uh, it's interesting uh, and um i i i anticipate the uh the fun and passionate uh, arguments uh that are forthcoming um and just as we kind of put a bow on this um you know one thing that i struck out as i was going through some of those previous years um is you know kind of looking at the pairwise you know um you know how many teams in there you know that you get to the flirting with the bubble had you know six seven eight losses so far on the schedule um you really didn't you don't have that many i mean you got a number of teams like 13 or so teams that have less than five losses five or less losses on the season yeah. so far and i know we just talked about arizona state we could put an asterisk on those ones but i mean even when you get like to St. Cloud, you know, um, you know, sitting at 11, five and two. Um, and obviously we're bolstered a little bit as well by, you know, two of those losses being in, in, in that overtime. So, but I mean, you, you know, and some of those surprises with, you know, New Hampshire and, and Providence, Maine kind of sneaking up as well. But, um, you know, you just have a lot. And, you know, we talked about kind of the weirdness with Cornell and Dartmouth, um, you know, a little bit of the Ivies have something to do with that as well. Not playing a lot, but, you know, a lot of ties when it comes to that. Um, just, just kind of, kind of, kind of struck me as a little bit bizarre, a little bit odd that you have so many teams that have so few losses at this point in the season. I remember, I think in October, I mentioned I I predicted there'd be a one seed this year, meaning one of the top four in pairwise that would have double digit losses because it seemed like we were going towards, you know, a pair, we were talking parody, you know, lots of uh, teams, we you know, New Hampshire's coming out of nowhere and winning games and 
And so I kind of figured this is going to be one of those years where you're going to have like a top team um, have double digit losses. But as you're saying, might be uh, unlikely this year based on the kinds of records that we're seeing this year. So, yeah, that's that is a good point. So we're at two hours on the podcast. Um, you know, we've got uh, the women's. Uh, we got some questions. Where, where do you want to go with that? Do you want to predict the women's field? Sure. I mean, I hate to do it a, a disservice and, and, you know, do it quickly. But at the same time, I know this is getting a little bit long. And it's a lot less interesting um, when just kind of you look at the women. It's side less, of it. yeah, less guessing. Or yeah. I mean, there's guessing in terms of the other uh, auto bid only leagues because there's just no real clear candidate, obviously, because they're all outside the pairwise gate right now. But in terms of like ECAC versus WCHA, I think that's always worth dissecting. And mm-hmm. yeah, so let's go through it. Um, um, do you just want to go ahead and? Do the auto bid, auto bid leagues first. Yeah, sure. So, CC or CHA, I'm sticking with Mercyhurst. Um, stupidly, uh, I think Penn State is <laughs> is better in terms of pairwise and record and all that. But uh, and I think you you had Penn State in October. Yep. Are you sticking with Penn State? Yep, I am. Okay, and I'll stick stubbornly with Mercyhurst. Newha, I think I had Saint Anselm in October. You had LIU, who was yep. the winner last year. I've watched actually some LIU and St. Anselm and uh, I do think LIU is a little bit better. So I'm going to go, I'm going to change it to LIU. Hockey East. I had, I think we both had Northeastern. I know I had Northeastern coming out of hockey East. Mm-hmm. I'm changing that one up. Yeah, I am too. I hope we don't Northeastern just, just plummeted. Maybe not plummeted, but they definitely dropped off. The, and the, the whole league is nearly as good. Yeah, the whole league's kind of mid, um, yeah. sub mid actually. But uh, yeah, it, there's a lot of similar types of teams there. There's a couple of, but like there's not a ton that differentiates like Northeastern from Vermont, from BC, or from UConn, who is my pick. Ah, I mean, that's my pick too. God, I see. I wanted <laughs> I wanted us to have a different some differences here. Oh, but you no. know they just played the Gophers this past weekend. They they got swept. UConn did, but I thought they played somewhat okay. I mean, they, they hung in there as much as they can. We've got the yeah. Tia Chan, um, the Chinese Olympian who was coached by Adulski. And they've got a, I mean, she's been playing the majority of the games, but got this uh, other goalie too that's been pretty well, pretty solid for them as well. So uh, of the uh, teams in a not great league, again, we've kind of mentioned the other contenders there. Um, I was going to go with uh, UConn mostly for like the Huskies because <laughs> I like, I like other Huskies to make the tournament and Northeastern seems to be the Huskies in that league that are sort of on a decline. So I'm going with the Huskies that are on the rise. So yep. I, I went with them, um, you know, maybe a little bit more because I, I just, I couldn't bring myself to pick BC. I just, I don't care for BC and really anything. And maybe it's Doug Flutie related. Maybe it's not, but that's, uh, that's kind of where it's I ended up. Anti-Catholic like, bias. Those Catholics. So it's, uh, so it was just kind of one of those things where I was like, you know what? Can I get that, uh, kind of a fun story? I'll, I'll pick them. Well, we agree there. So now I guess yep. it's the, uh, 
the big question, and again, I kind of look at it as far as how many teams per league, and then I sort mm-hmm. of decide who my teams are. Do we do four and four, or do we got five and three out of the ECAC and WCHA? I got five and three. Same here. Who's the five? WCHA. I do not have it as WCHA. Really? Yeah. You've got five ECAC teams. I do. Whoa, whoa. Okay. This is interesting now. So are you I'm gonna I'm gonna try to guess. Okay. You're down on the gophers. So you're going to say it's going to, and I don't think you're going to knock off St. Cloud. So I'm going to say you picked Ohio State, Wisconsin, and St. Cloud out of the WCHA. Hold on a second. Did I miscount? Nope. Just kidding. I didn't miscount. Four and four. <laughs> I did miscount. You did miscount. I was going to say, yeah. like, this is going to be Got it. interesting. Um, for some reason, I had Ohio State uh, written down under ECAC. Okay, that makes so, more sense. So you, my bad. So it's going to be that you, I went with Duluth. You did not go with Duluth. I did not go with Duluth. Nope. And so the, we both obviously have Ohio State, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and St. Cloud. Yep, correct. So I have Duluth as a fifth team from WCHA for ECAC. So you have four teams. I'm sure we both have Clarkson, Colgate, and Quinnipiac. So your fourth team out of ECAC, I'm going to say you went with Cornell. Correct. Yeah, that's that was the big one. Like, do I? Yeah. Do I? That, slot? that that's that's where it all kind of hinders on. And I could see that. I and I could see with with Duluth. I think those are. I, I just don't think Duluth is trending the right way. As they're not. Now. Yeah, they're they're um, certainly not. And but I just I. I feel like they're going to be able to get some splits against the top four WCHA teams. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the, the ECAC is more top heavy. And so it was a big weekend. We kind of mentioned in passing with Quinnipiac beating and tying Duluth in Quinnipiac this past weekend. And that tie was a two to nothing comeback. Or they came back from a two nothing deficit in the third period to tie that game. Like if, if Duluth wins that game on Saturday, I'm wondering if that makes your decision different. Like if you say yes. that Duluth possibly makes the tournament based on that, because it that did hurt them in the pairwise. Uh, but yeah, I between like especially seeing St. Cloud and Duluth play very similarly matched teams, but I feel like St. Cloud's just better than them. And so, but I just feel like they like they were able to get a win against Wisconsin earlier in the season. I, I feel like they're going to be able to get a couple of splits against those teams in the second half enough more so than some of these other fringe ECAC teams like Cornell. Sure. But I like, I like what Quinnipiac did. I think that that was a really good weekend for them. So that's why I'm confident as my third team, whereas Clarkson and Colgate are, are pretty solid. Clarkson losing their first game of the year should mention over the past weekend. And, and Cornell's a solid team too. I think they're Yale's not bad. I mean, ECAC still solid. I just think that uh, top to bottom, uh, WCHA is a little bit better, which is why I'm going the five and three rather than four and four. Yep. And yep. I think that's the case too. Um, also kind of what I noticed uh, about that game, that two to one victory for Quinnipiac, 
um, you know, Minnesota Duluth came out with the first goal, uh, Clara Van Weeren, uh, but just how heavily outshot uh, the Bulldogs uh, outshot the Bobcats, you know, ended with uh, 37 to 15. So, you know, letting two goals on 15 shots is very not Minnesota Duluth-like. You know, we right. didn't see a lot of those games with uh, Maddie Rooney in that. Um, right. So, um, one other thing that's in Duluth's favor, see, now I'm talking myself back in Duluth, but um, another thing in their favor is they don't have nearly the gauntlet St. Cloud State does when it comes towards the schedule towards the end of the season. Uh, Bemidji State, then at Ohio State, Wisconsin, but then they go with Minnesota State, St. Thomas, and then they end with St. Cloud, Minnesota. So they don't have, you know, kind of at least, I, I guess I've unofficially considered three of the top four teams in the nation as a gauntlet. <laughs> Um, and, and they don't have that. Um, See, I, I like that from St. Cloud's perspective that they play them all in a row. Yeah. Like, I feel like it keeps their focus. Like you play a Bemidji in between that's trap game written all over it. Whereas you just keep the Ohio state, Wisconsin, Minnesota, you Duluth, just like it, you just knock them all out and you're, it's kind of like what the, the end of the, how the end of the first half, uh, played out. Whereas like they're playing Minnesota and Duluth and Ohio state. Because we're back to back to back at the end of the first half, and I think they play their best hockey as a result of needing to have that razor focus for for like a solid two weeks or whatever it was. So, yeah. so I like I'd rather I'd rather do it that way. I just I don't like it that they're all on the road for that second month of it. Like split yeah. up the home and road a little bit a little bit more through uh, e- evenly throughout the year. That's one thing I don't like about it. But no, I gotcha. So. Um, really hope St. Cloud though does end up making it to the uh yeah to to the uh the year end tournament, the final face off. So um and also there'll be a, a bar that um I did pledge money towards and I do support and the owner of the bar did officiate my wedding, um, called a bar of their own, which is opening up in Minneapolis, uh that is specializing in women's sports that um they did announce that they are opening up on March 1st. So, um, you know, maybe a, a nice pregame, uh, area, uh, before you go to that, uh, final pace off. So there you go. Hopefully St. Cloud's there and I can go. There you go. It's basically what I'm, what I'm hoping for. So, uh, let's go through some questions. Can I do some Stonehill porn first? Cause oh, I had some prop bets for you. I prop bets. Stonehill related prop bets. Oh, geez. Gross. Okay. First of all, we mentioned they're playing Michigan this weekend. Michigan yep. played host to Lindenwood earlier in the season, and those games were not close. Nine to one and ten to one. Nine nineteen okay. goals combined. Uh so I'm gonna set it at nineteen and a half. <laughs> Total goals for Michigan this weekend against Stonehill. Oh wow. 19 and a half. I'm going to go. Oh, Stonehill's so bad. <laughs> I'm getting such to that. a high bar. Um, I'm going to go under. Okay, I'll go over. Uh, but I think it's going to be like. It might be two, a mercy. Like, like just out of two mercy. Two eight to rip games. And they they don't, could be like, eight to rip after two periods. And then they'll be like, we're just going to play our scrubs. Like, McGrory's not playing. And. Yeah, nice. we're just going to chip and chase right. and not even chase, just get in the red and dump it. So uh, 
Um, I I will say under, but it'll be very close. Um, the highest score that we've seen this season, I believe, from a score differential point, um, would be the exhibition game between Arizona are State. You, are we counting that? Arizona State are. versus Arizona. We know Arizona State's counting that. Like, I, I'm surprised not? that wasn't in their resume. It wasn't. Uh, why not put it in their resume? Um, I, I'm going to count it because that was 16 to nothing. Um, hey, take it easy on my Wildcats. Tucson here, we we love our, our cats. Bear down. So, I mean, I could also see a 16 to nothing game. Like, just, I think the difference. But see, there you have, that's like a potential rivalry thing going on there between those two schools. Where there's really, I mean, there's no rivalry between Michigan and Stonehill. Is there a potential rivalry in hockey between those two well, schools? Well, not between hockey, but those two schools are their biggest rival for everything. So, there'd be more of a incentive for them to just be like we're gonna kick your ass by 20 whereas like from michigan's perspective it's almost like again i think the only reason they don't exceed 19 and a half is because it was like we don't want to make we'll take it easy on you like mcgordy probably is gonna have you know 16 points on the weekend just to try to get his uh hobie stats up or when you're like think like in (laughs) if they were just playing this in a regular course of the season, maybe they would like rest some of those guys, but because they've played, like they've gone like a month without playing, obviously the world juniors guys have uh, action, but I would expect them to play because they're going to want to get the rust off. So uh, I don't think these are going to be terribly close, but we shall see. So Stonehill, uh, Owen 19 on the season, only one, I guess, of those needs to be have an asterisk that uh, Arizona State overtime loss. So they do have some pairwise points because of that, which is probably nice because I know this pairwise kind of gets screwed up if a team is like winless. So yeah. I'm glad that they were able to to salvage an overtime result. And also in, not included in that 0-19 is a loss to something called Anna Maria, which is uh, what I gathered was a D3 team. That was at home. That was at Stonehill's home rink, losing to a, a D3 program that I had never uh, heard of. That sounds like a ship in some naval battle. Uh, and they have uh, two games later this year, also against uh, D3 opponents. These I've actually heard of these colleges, St. Anselm and Assumption. Those are also just because Stonehill. we follow women's hockey as well. They're also they're also in the new uh, new house with Stonehill. So. I'm going to go on a limb. They will definitely not win any game against any D one team. I'm even going to say if they've lost to Anna Maria, they'll lose those two other D three games as well. The rivalry games. <laughs> the new I, I mean, I was, I was concerned if they're going to run the table. My biggest threat was this past weekend when they played at Robert Morris, who is next to last in pairwise. Robert Morris beat them eight to one and seven to three. <laughs> I mean, they, they outscored them by 11 total goals and Robert Morris is horrendous. So Stonehill, this is, I'm just, I'm fascinated by this team. And <laughs> are you willing to say they're going to get on the board against any of these teams? I mean, other than Michigan, they got six games against long Island. They got four games against Lindenwood. They got Anchorage on the schedule. They've got not only are they winless, but they're going to play at the end of the year. It's going to be one of the easiest schedules in college hockey. 
this is barely a D3 team. Are you going to stake out their claim and say Stonehill is going to get a win this season? No. And I'll even count overtime. No. I I, I don't know. I, I just, it, it seems very difficult, but hockey is weird, man. This team is so bad. It is so bad. Like, it needs to be seen. I've watched them a little bit here and there, and it's weird. Like I said, hockey's weird. Like they had a three to two loss at Merrimack, and they you know, like they weren't terrible in that game. And so it's like I can see some teams sort of taking them lightly, like Arizona State did. But that's almost like where the schedule that they have, where it is all cupcakes after Michigan, those teams, they're not going to be like looking past them. They're going to be like, oh, we can get fat in these games. It's almost yeah. going to be worse for Stonehill's chances. So, all right. So we we're both on the record. They're going to run the table here. Uh, you're even with those D3 games, because I'll, I'll count them too. I, I think that they're going to lose those games as well. But here's the other here's the other one I got for you. So currently they are at for their pairwise points, the formula that it spits out, they're at 0.3384, which is last in college <laughs> hockey, shockingly. Right now it is the lowest in all of college hockey history dating back to 2002-2003, which is the first season that the pairwise was fully implemented for the 16 team field. And currently they're like well below the, the current low, the current lowest uh, pairwise percentage was 0.3563. That was uh, in 2004, 2005. Do you want to guess the team? That was the lowest, the worst ever season in pairwise in the last 20 years. 2004, 2005. Yes. And this program, uh, was dead last in pairwise like six or seven times in the last 20 years. This was not just a one-off for them. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, got to remember the, the tuck cliff now, if we're, go, we're going back, right? Um, I'm going to go with Bentley. Incorrect. I'll give you one other guess and I'll give you a hint. St. Cloud is under 500 all time against this team. Oh, shut up. Are you kidding me? <laughs> God, no way. It's not, it's not the bees. Is it? Is it the, it's bees? the fighting bees? God. Oxymoron university. American international. <laughs> and they, they got that all time low pairwise uh, in a season where they won four games. There were four 23 and four. So oh, I bet wow. you even Stonehill could win a couple of these and still break the record. That's just how bad it is. Just to put that in perspective a little bit, the gap from them to 63, the next team, that's the same gap that separates one versus 17 in the pairwise. <laughs> <laughs> Or if you want to go the other way around, it's the same gap that separates 63 to 36. So it's a monumental gap between them and the next worst team. So this is a historically bad team. And it's almost intriguing just to watch it because they don't see it. This is a once in a generation. Like, so like this is like the Washington generals, but like 
<laughs> and it's weird too. And, I know CHN has been throwing shade with them because they're like, no one like talks to them. No one from Stonehill like talks to, they, they don't grant interviews. It's weird because it seems like from the women's side, they've been putting forth a decent effort. They've been in that new yeah. for three or four years and they're not good, but they're not like this, like God awful, but they apparently just don't throw any resources to the men's team. And like last year, they barely played, but five or six games for the D one teams. And don't tell that to UConn or whoever it was that <laughs> salt, salty about them. Uh, those games, not counting uh, mm. in the pairwise, but uh, they just don't really even seem to be putting forth the, even the minimum sort of effort. So just, I wanted to throw that out there because they've been a, uh, a team that's been pretty uh, phenomenal in, in the, uh, the worst possible way. And just see if they can, uh, if they can complete the task here and run the complete table with winless season, that would be something, something yeah. to, uh, to admire. Wow. That's, that's all the Stonehill porn I got. Yeah. I don't under, I think there was a time when I welcomed Stonehill to uh, college hockey. I take that back. <laughs> actually, can I rescind my welcome? Like if you're not even going to try, what's the point? Cause that's gotta be what it's at right now. You have to be actively not trying to be this absolutely abysmal. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, what your plan is or yeah, what the game plan was, unless it was maybe like a title nine add on. It was like, we added, you know, some women's program. So we have to throw in a, a, a D one Ben's. They might've went, I know. I think long <sighs> Island went D one in all their sports. This could have been another one of their situations. Just decided, let's just move everything up and not even worry about actually fielding a legitimate team. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Whereas you look at St. Thomas who moved everything up and obviously, I mean, the hockey team here has a chance to win the McNaughton cup. Right. Um, or even like long Island, a better example. Cause they, yeah. they're in their same league in the women's side and they're trying to make a go at it in the uh, independence for the men's side. They've again, not been great, not been good even, but they're, they're, you know, they put up an effort, you know, that they, they, they're making a go at it. But uh doesn't seem like there was the same amount of attempt from uh from Stonehill. So I don't know, maybe maybe we'll see as Saint, the, when Saint they Th become relevant, that's yeah. gonna be the shocker of all shockers. Yeah. St. Thomas basketball team um almost uh you know had a had a close matchup with Marquette um actually not go. too long ago. So and is one of the favorites in the summit. Uh right now which i think there's also some kind of four-year ban on them like because i think it's on all sports yeah it's not on. just yeah so that's right but so can you imagine you know making the dance got got st thomas makes it to the dance but isn't eligible and that's the only reason and the gophers can't anyway anyway i find that funny let's uh hop over to questions um then Um, how happy uh, do you think uh, Motsko is to have a strong defensive first team this year? Um, that was from Alex. Um, that references to an early uh, quote when he was actually talking about, um, you know, kind of the shrinking of the rink. Um, and then, you know, Bob just kind of threw in that, 
you know, he's looking forward to having a, a, a strong defensive team uh, this year. And um, I don't know. They give up a lot of goals for being a strong defensive team. And I just, I've never heard that phrase ever out of Moscow's mouth <laughs> that he likes to it's, slow it's gotta it down. It's got to be code. That's it's Moscow ease yeah. for something else that doesn't mean that explicitly. I don't know what where he's getting at, but that's a, that's a good one. Um, uh, Dan Jacobson, how incredible would it be for Minnesota to miss the tournament? I agree. Um, it, it, it would be pretty great. I don't see it happening as we talked about, but you it'd know, be incredible from the uh, sort of awe inspiring. Oh, like surprise, but it wouldn't be incredible from the like realistic side of things. It's very credible. It's very, that they could, very credible, <laughs> that they yeah. could miss the tournament. I really hope they get Wisconsin ruled. Like somehow, like if we can find if they get if Minnesota get, gets Wisconsin ruled, would be if they can get maybe lose one of these Bobby Moe games, that'll yeah. drop them. But it's not going to sink them like ten spots. So just split this series. Then they're at. Then that might that we might have a shot. Then I think they kind of need to lose one of these games against Bobby Moe. I think. Which I mean, the way that they've been giving up goals lately. It, it and is kind of Robert Morris is on a high after their sweep of Stonehill. So they actually hopped. I, I was assuming they were still the uh, second to worst team, Robert Morris, but they actually hopped Ferris F and state. We're playing all of our, our favorite, uh, all of our favorite hits. first round uh, yeah. face plants here with them. God. We just need an air force reference now. Yeah, one one loss to Robert Morris uh, gets him down to the fifteen sixteen range. Okay, so, that's right, right there on the bubble. Yeah. So, um, way to go, Big Ten scheduling. By the way, um, like I guess this is kind of their tune up before conference play hits. Like you said, what it's Michigan against Stonehill. You've got Minnesota against Robert Morris. Like any other barn burners there and big 10 coming up this weekend i no i missed one this is a this is the best pairwise matchup of the three that we've mentioned in big 10 wisconsin hosting lindenwood (laughs) (laughs) yep okay that's what it is (laughs) so there we go way to go way to go barry alvarez (laughs) is this what you've dreamed of um, uh, Christine had a couple questions. Will we see Posh and Bassey splitting time, uh, weekends? And I suppose, yeah, we didn't talk about this. Um, the fact Good that question. Posh, um, was, um, you know, started in the, oh man, what day was that? We, he had the second Omaha game and then he played the second Bemidji game. Yes. Yeah. And I guess he, then he, the mop-up work he had in Mankato prior to that. That's his three appearances. The second Bemidji game, which was a Sunday game. I tried yes. to get that in my head. Okay. Yeah. That's what threw so, me off. Um, um, well, you know, the first, his first official start, um, you know, was more due to, it sounded like an illness or a tweaking. A little, little minor injury, which yeah. might, might still be lingering for Bassey. Which might, I'm not sure. Yeah. So that very well could be the case where they're, where they're going to go ahead. I don't know if that's going to happen this at Denver. It's not like Denver has the most raucous crowd, um, but especially fired. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
I mean, especially like when I was there, um, they definitely didn't have uh, a raucous crowd. Um, I I think maybe also St. Cloud's not nearly the draw that like in North Dakota is. So I can see where they can get up for that or a CC for a rivalry. But um, but still, I mean, that's a, a tough, it's still a tough place to play. The lights are so dark there. Um, it's... I, I don't see it happening, but unless if there's still an issue of, you know, Bassey has got a little bit of a tweak, then why not throw him out there? I was nervous uh, when Farringer played his debut up at North Dakota and was able to shut him out there mm-hmm. in the Ralph when Mike Lee couldn't. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess I haven't really thought if there is going to be any sort of I, I don't expect there to be a bassy caster type of rotation um, that we saw last year. It might just depend on Bassie's health and the fact that we haven't really heard anything on that front. I, I might've missed some, you know, Mick Hatton reportage on that front, but uh, it, that, that might dictate Posh's playing time that and the mm-hmm. fact that he's looked pretty good in his limited action. And so, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it, I just, I guess it would, I continue to be surprised. Like I was surprised when I saw Posh play uh, against Bemidji. And um, if we see that again this weekend, I might take that as Bassie just must not be hundred percent, but I guess uh, it's going to be a development that I'm going to be interested to see how it shakes out because I, in back in October, we were all for seeing the other, having the other goalies see some action. But then as the season progressed, it just became more, likely that it's going to be Bassey's job almost a hundred percent of the time. And now there's a wrench in, in that plan. So I, I, I don't have any insight as far as what the plan is, if there is a plan, but um, I'm kind of just assuming Bassey until I see otherwise. And until I see Posh really kind of crap the bed, I'm all for having him get some action as well, because I've yep. been impressed with, with him so far. I agree. Um, it might be too early. Any thoughts about the structuring of regionals for the NCAA this year? Will all the Minnesota be uh, teams be playing in South Dakota? So um, kind of a reference to uh, last year, we had uh, three Minnesota teams play in the Grand Forks regional. Um, you know, just kind of looking at who we predicted, do we both only have two Minnesota teams in the tournament? Well, I've got three with Mankato coming out of the CCHA as oh, my right. sort of auto bid out of the CCHA. But yeah, Minnesota and St. Cloud, that's the only two you have. Um, mm-hmm. I would assume if North Dakota's making North it, Dakota. they're going to go to, they're going to go to Sioux Falls. Probably. Um, like th- that's a natural pick there. Providence, you know, <laughs> that's natural for them to be in Providence. <laughs> the, uh, and that's right by Boston too. So if you have one of these BU or BC teams get a, get a one seed potential that they could be, but see if Providence is the one seed though, then they can't, they can't play another hockey East team in the first round. So yeah, it could all shake out uh, differently based on the conference matchups of the seedings. Um, The other Eastern regionals in Springfield mass. So yeah, which is like an hour, an hour and a half drive from Boston. So you could have one of the Boston teams kind of play semi-host there. I mean, I guess UMass has a lot to play for this year, mentioning them as a fringe team. They're one of, that's actually a co-hosted regional with them and AIC 
another another drop of the bees here on the podcast. But let's just can we ban them? Can we just ban I, I AIC talk? I guess I never thought about this because they are co-hosts. Like AIC's not having a bad year in hockey or in Atlantic hockey. And we're mentioning UMass is right there on the bubble. Like if both of them qualify for the tournament, like if AIC wins Atlantic hockey and UMass gets in from hockey East would, they would both automatically go to that regional. I would assume. Uh, But then like what? That's a possibility that 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 they could both be four. They could both be four seeds. Then what happens? Someone is getting, I want to, I want to have that (laughs) scenario play out because then you're going to have a host of a regional not be at their right. facility that they hosted at because they're going to have to split them up. It couldn't couldn't do that. So, so yeah. But as far as like where teams would go, I'm imagining, like I said, North Dakota and Sioux Falls, and like if it's North Dakota as a two seed and the Gophers as a three seed, you know that's what's going to happen. Oh yeah, you have doesn't to matter do if the if the seedings like. If it's the ninth overall nope. seed and the fifth overall seed, it's still going to be go. If you if you've got that matchup, you take it. You're going to take a hundred percent. And then and then yeah, you you sold out Denny Sanford right there. And then Which if St. Cloud's does... if St. Cloud's the four seed, then if they're a four seed, they're probably going to that regional too. Yep. Against whoever would be the one seed, maybe Denver. It'd be oh, easier maybe if De- if UND is the one seed. UND's one, Gophers are four. So that's that first round matchup. Maybe then you have, I don't know, Denver's at eight. I mean, certainly they can move up to, to number one, but it sometimes it doesn't work out that like that easily where you have two, two Western and two Eastern number one seeds. Because right now, right now you've got three... Yeah, you got BU, BC, and Maine all at one seeds, and then Wisconsin. Forgot about them. Oh, forgot you could have Wisconsin, Wisconsin yeah. in, in either Sioux Falls or Maryland Heights. Yep. So I bet you you're not going to have three hockey East teams be number one seeds in the tournament. That's going to shake out. I would be surprised if there's two in the one seed band out of that league. I bet you Quinnipiac's going to be a one seed. I bet either BC or BU is going to be a one seed. Probably BU. Um, I'll go with UND and yeah, I mean, Wisconsin, Wisconsin seems to be on a roll. So yeah, that's, that's what I'll say is about my one seeds. And then you can play then. Yeah. Wisconsin to be in Maryland Heights. I don't know. This is all yeah. way too early speculation, but you can see kind of that's some what of we do things. here. Some we, of the we, things we like, predicted the field in October. Of course right. we have. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to, to speculate. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, uh, will the herb get new seats ever? Um, Teresa actually made this point, um, a couple of games ago. And I guess I don't know what exactly what game, but like the bench seatings where the butt is like carved out, like in the family sections, just take, just stop with that. (laughs) Kind of how the like, Arizona State um, student section is is too. They've kind of got the pre molded, the pre budded seats. Yeah, and it's just it's no just, no backing. It's just the bench, and that's fine. Very it's uncomfortable. Just, it's just the bench, and that. But like, 
the, the pre mold of the butt like is just does isn't needed. It's it's biased it, I, I against it a, ma- it's it's like having a stereotypical butt size. Yeah, you know, and it's like some butts are big, bigger, man. Like <laughs> some, some are smaller, some are lot. some are yeah. big, and it, butts are all in different shapes and sizes. So, I, don't, I don't know, but um, yeah, I felt like those those seats need to they oh, they're so bad. If we had the money tree, I would donate so we can get. I mean, yeah, we already like, fixed the sound system, kind of. There's so. so much. Like we're at a point where we're coming up on 35 years being in the herb. And we desperately need the uh, the ice, the uh, ice cooling refrigerant system, whatever. But so maybe like you, and you, your only hope is really to begging the state government to give them some money mm-hmm. here. I mean, you're you're not like less than ten years away from like. Can we just get like the band aid of getting the ice sheet taken care of? have that last like 10 years and then in 10 years just ask for a whole new building <laughs> like there's so much that you need to have upgrades on J- just do the whole thing just just give us a whole new building and please and thank you um because that <laughs> way it'll be, we'll take care of all the the fat ice we'll take care of the acoustics we'll take care of the uh, butts uh, pre-molded butts in the bench seats yep. uh we'll take care of all that but or it's to this point you're just putting lipstick on a pig if you're just doing one project at a time just just we'll start over yeah i it's love the building on. but let's start over if we're gonna just if we're gonna beg for money just beg for it all you know yeah we're still waiting on phase two so <laughs> just make this translate that into phase three and it's a new herb and it's just that? a new building Q lot. start start so. building there just started a queue lot. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's water that. prime waterfront property. Yeah, right. Um and then um kind of one last one from uh Eric Zavora, who had kind of an interesting one. Um and his was like what songs do you associate with husky hockey? Um and you know, there were a couple of them that kind of popped into my head and a lot of others um, were kind of mentioned. Um, and some of them I'm really upset that I didn't think of. But um, the ones that I picked out right off the top of my head um, were uh, Back in the Saddle by Aerosmith. That is a good one, yeah. Um, and uh, Tainted Love which they always used to play that um and then the whole dog pound would sing along to it and they stopped doing okay, it yeah i want to say i don't know oh eight oh nine ish like i was still in college when they stopped doing it and i remember being a little bit ticked off or i was still regularly at least going to the games yeah now that you um, mentioned it, i remember that but it has been a while it, that when he said that i'm like really i, I don't remember that one but mm-hmm. Yeah, back in saddles. That, that's like what I hate that song. I'm way. back uh, in the saddle again. Yeah, I I, I know. I, I'm familiar with <laughs> I, it. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking, if, if is there any other ones? Um, there were. Well, you had to help ones. me out. You, you you told me this before the show, and you helped me out with song titles because there were a couple of those techno ones mm-hmm. uh, when they were doing the uh, uh, starting lineups. Yep. I, I even forgot. 
what's uh, the well, artist in the title of the song? Uh, the Darude with Sandstorm. Okay. Um, that that's kind of like the go-to one, and then they had a uh, Zombie Nation uh, with uh, Kerncraft Five Four Thousand or Four Thousand. Those are kind of the big two. That yeah, and those I've like heard. Those I always, outs, I always used of... to freak out before current crap because I'm like, I know all the words to this song, like all of it. I know it. And then, oh, 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 oh. That's that's the song. What's the second oh. verse though? Oh, 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 it's like when Vanilla it's Ice not the was, same. was saying so, that like, yeah. Under Pressure is different it's from his song. It's like, we did the, oh, 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 oh. Uh, so it's, it is different. Subtle, that, that but it's, it's there. Change. It's not the same. But I've like heard those songs outside of a Husky's context. And that's like, I'm like, oh, this is a Husky song. Like, that's that's what I um, associate it with. But mm-hmm. those are the only, those are the two that really sprung to mind. I'm glad that you brought up a couple others. Do you have any more? Yep. Uh, well, oh, I and mean, I also mentioned the... Uh, the Black Eyed Peas one. Um, tonight's going to be a uh, tonight's going to be yep, I've, a good I've got a night. That is Black Eyed Peas, right? Correct. I've got a feeling. Okay, so that that yep. one too. Yep. Um, obviously, we have, um, I guess, essentially vetoed Rock and Roll Part Two because that's kind of an obvious choice. It's, it's a too, lot of people uh, are too uh, widespread. Yeah. Um, a lot of people had um, Enter Sandman. That's a good one. Yeah, as one. Um, and um, I, the one I thought of that, um, that or that I thought of late, and I'm I'm happy somebody else uh, remembered it was Cotton Eye Joe with the uh, puppy prom pantser um, <laughs> that used to always uh, just kind of go go ham at that time. Uh, so. Uh, those are, some, those good are ones. some yeah. Those, those, those are some good ones that I really associate with. Um, I did a finish the lyric with uh, "Fishing in the Dark" um, during the intermission. I, I did that with uh, 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 what's Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, I believe. So I think that's right. So that one uh, kind of sticks out to me. Um, before the game, you know, before warmups, because I would I always get there an hour beforehand and before the warmups. I would yell at the person running to play Radar Love by Golden Earring. <laughs> and they would all the time. Um, but I don't know. I don't know why I did it. But just because I think, like, as far as, like, a, what I consider a two-hit wonder, like, Golden Earring is, like, up one. there. Like, yeah. with the echelon, with, um, with Radar Love and... Um, Oh my gosh. I can't I can't think of I'm blanking out on the other one. I'm no good with song titles, but I I'm familiar with the uh two hit wonder aspect of their career. Twilight Zone. Oh uh uh Twilight Zone. Yeah, that's the other one. So um but like I would I would I would just always yell to the play play radar love <laughs> and then I would just always rock out to it and I'm like the only one in the stadium who even probably cared about that song but i'll just just have a blast to it they also used to do the jaws theme right before the third period um that always kind of stuck out to me so 
but yeah, just uh, just some uh, some ones that I thought of 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 uh, uh, songs that kind of stuck out to my head during during those. There's some good uh, ones. Husky, husky, yeah, good questions. Um, and then what, there's like like sometimes when we get blown out. Uh, you know, which we did in like that 04, 05 season quite a bit. Like, God, you couldn't get away from Chumbawamba because <laughs> like, I remember it was like an eight to two game against Wisconsin or something like that. And just every goal against, I get knocked down, but I get up again. <laughs> and I'm like, we're not getting up. Lot, again, lots buddy. of knocking down. <laughs> let's, that year. let's just end it. So, but anyway. So, yeah, that was kind of a fun thread that uh, Eric kind of threw out there uh, due to it being um, uh, an off weekend. And so, but anything else uh, that we didn't get to in this? Uh, in this I think this podcast. is enough. I, I think that's quite enough. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thanks, everybody. If you've gotten this far, um, tell me why. But I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, Weldy, you can find me at More Clappers, M O A R, More Clappers. Andrew, you can find him at. You can email me at huskieshockeypodcast at gmail.com. Send me an email. Sounds perfect. Until next time, go Huskies. Woo! Woo!